Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. I heard you bought like 40 pairs of shoes yesterday, Ryan. I did. You passed out from Turkey, and uh, I went on a buying spree. What's the ingredient in Turkey that makes you fall asleep? I think it's tryptophan? No. Is it? I think it's something like that. Something like that. It has a chemically sounding name. <laughs> <laughs> it's early. Dopamine. I'm on caffe- Dopamine's the happy hormone or drug or chemical. Just, you know. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. This is the Otaku <laughs> Brothers Podcast. My name is Rusty. I am joined by my forever co-host, bearded, dopamine, tryptophan, riddled brother-in-law. <laughs> Dopamine's what's released when I spend money in Galaxy of Heroes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the fix I get when I listen to Nintendo 64 music. For episode 64, I don't even know how we made it this far, Ryan. Ryan and I are going to ring the episode 64 in with a Nintendo 64 retrospective. We've got a really fun show packed for all you fine folks. In the back half of the show, we are not only going to talk about the hype leading up to the launch of the Nintendo 64 in 1996, we're also going to talk about some of our favorite games, interesting facts about the system, and games we wish we would have played back then, but we never did. Yes. But before that, Ryan, we have a whole slew of things we have to get to and talk about. We should probably just break down Thanksgiving, everything that went down. Okay. We ate some food, took some naps, and then you and Lauren dropped serious cash. It was more me dropping serious cash at the, like, prodding of Lauren. So, Lauren wanted to go shopping today for, like, stuff that I need. And I said, uh, let's watch a Harry Potter marathon and we can buy stuff online and get it delivered. So I bought a rug for like 90 bucks and it's like 12 by 9 feet, so a few feet bigger than your rug. Okay. And a few hundred dollars less. Well, you've got lots of room on your floor for rugs. <clears throat> yes. So it's like a white with a kind of, not super intense pattern, but a like gray fading in and out pattern, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And then I bought four pairs of shoes for me. And then I bought one for my dad. Nice. Because he wanted one. So I got two pairs of tennis shoes, one pair of boots. Actually, I got five. What was that? I was about to burp because I just had out of my Denzo mug some monster. Half a can of monster. Because last time when my heart was palpitating, it wasn't fun enough. So I might as well do it again. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah, I'm not drinking that. I'm drinking some water. Uh, mixed with Mio, you know that? Yeah, the squirter thing. Yeah. I got some of that over here, too. This show is brought to you by Crystal Light <laughs> and uh, Aspartame. And Monster. Awesome. So, yeah, I bought some uh, nice dress shoes, some black ones, and then some like tan brown ones mm-hmm. for interviews and things. So Nice. Yeah, I'm ready to go. So I bought a few things for Black Friday. I think last episode I talked about wanting to get Death Stranding. And a couple of other games that I didn't end up getting. Well, I did get one of the games that was kind of on my wish list. So, a couple of days ago, my buddy Brian, say hello to Brian. He's probably listening to the show. What's up, Brian? 
He told me that there was a PS4 game sale on Amazon. So I hopped on there, found a few games that I was of interest, that were of interest to me. So I grabbed Medieval, which of course is a remake of the PlayStation 1 game. Mm-hmm. Got that for 20, originally for 30, originally was 30. I got Days Gone by Ben Studios, the people who developed the portable Resistance game for the PSP. Oh, nice. And they also developed Uncharted Golden Abyss for the PlayStation Vita. So their next foray was on the PlayStation 4, kind of this open-world zombie-type game. When it was debuted, um, either at E3 or one of the Sony conferences, it has this weird mechanic where there's just hordes of zombies chasing you. It kind of looks like Dead Island meets Far Cry type of thing. Okay. So something of interest to me. So I grabbed that for 20. Originally, it was 60. Yeah. I got Horizon Zero Dawn, the complete edition, so all the DLC... For 10 bucks, And it's hard. The St- DLC is rough. Steal of a deal. And then the last thing I got is a HD remake of two games that I've always had some inkling of interest in playing, but I never got around to. Or it's subsequent, you know, spinoff series, Yakuza. And that is Shenmue 1 and 2. Okay. Originally on the Dreamcast, and I think the original Xbox was Shenmue 2. Just a series of games that looks so interesting. Was very ahead of its time when it released on the Dreamcast, but um, I never had a means of playing it. And so now I do in the PlayStation 4 both games on, I believe, one disc. It actually is going to arrive today for $14.99, 15 bucks. Nice. Not bad. So grabbed a couple of games. Nothing um, else of real interest to me this year. I don't know. I don't need more stuff. I have plenty of games to play. Yeah, you do. So that's all I got. So Another, what are you playing Horizon? I don't know. So we'll get to games we've been playing recently here shortly, and I've been playing a lot of Medieval. Yeah. And in between that, playing some Pokemon... I don't know when I'm going to get to a giant open world game like Horizon. Probably next year, maybe early next year, January time frame. I assume there's going to be a semi-drought before we get games like Final Fantasy VII Remake, Animal Crossing. Or was that Shishima game? Oh, Ghost of Shishima? That's like April. That's like a PS5 game. Well, it's, I think it's coming out in April. I don't believe that. I was watching a video where I found the, uh, the Towers game. Don't believe everything you read on the internet, Ryan. I watched it on the internet. Well, so then it's probably I, it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> Another interesting thing that happened yesterday outside of, you know, buying things I shouldn't be buying was, you know, my parents are divorced. So I have to not only see my in-laws, your your parents, my dad, and my mom. So we have to kind of hit three different places. We don't have to, but we want to make an effort to do so. So we went over to my mom's place yesterday, and she has a fenced-in backyard. Mm-hmm. So we took Scooby, my dog, into the back, let him run around, took him off his leash, and I walked over to the tree and grabbed like uh, a, a, a stick, and I tossed it to him, was just playing fetch for a little bit. Well, at one point, he comes back to me, and he gives me the stick, and I pick it up, and it has blood on it. So I'm like, oh, Scooby, you probably nicked your, your gum or something like that. Well, we keep playing fetch. Then my sister shows up. We're talking to my sister, and Scoob's running around on the patio. And I say, Lauren, grab and stop Scoob. His leg's bleeding. She's like, what? So she grabs him, and I grab his paw, his dew claw. So a dew claw for a dog is kind of like the thumb on a human. Yeah. It's kind of like that part that's kind of like flimsy from the other ones. It was ripped off entirely. I have no idea how this happened. I assume he was running in the mud. It got caught, got ripped off, and he continued to run around like a crazy person and the weird thing about scooby is he's not very vocal with um if he's in pain yeah so when we took him to the vet originally when we first adopted him and he got his initial shots he didn't even squirm he didn't bat an eye he just took it like a champ 
And then yesterday when this happened, nothing. He he showed no signs of emotion or pain. We took him to your parents' house. What are you looking at? I'm I'm trying to figure out if dew claws are vestigial. I'm not sure. Yeah. We'll figure it out for next time. Okay. Next week I'll talk about this. <laughs> yeah. So we take him to your parents' house and we wanted to disinfect the wound because we didn't want the risk of it getting infected, having to take him to the vet. They're like, hey, we have to amputate his arm. You know, he's going to be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, his claw fell off. Lose a leg. <laughs> you have no idea. So we take him to your parents' house. We throw some hydrogen peroxide in there. He didn't even squirm. He was, he just, again, took it like a, a champ that he is. Yeah. Banged it up, put two band-aids on. He proceeded to rip that off within an hour. But yep. thankfully, the, the, it, the blood clotted. Mm-hmm. And it didn't seem to be infected. It kind of just looks like if he stuck a cranberry between his leg or between his toes. So okay. <laughs> it just looks like there's blood that's clotted. And he, he licks it occasionally, but he's showing no signs of, of pain or um, discomfort. So he seems to be in good. in good spirits right now. Nice. So update on Scoob next week. He might only have three legs. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much all that went down for Thanksgiving. We chilled at your parents' house, ate lots of food. Watch Harry Potter, watch some football. Just your yeah. typical Thanksgiving day. Yeah. Well, Lauren and I got home yesterday, and we kind of hated ourselves after dinner. Oh, gosh, yeah. As you typically do after Thanksgiving. But Lauren and I went back. We were just chilling, hanging out, acting all cool, shooting some b-ball and stuff outside of a school. <laughs> yeah, we were watching, waddling around playing b-ball. <laughs> we were watching um, Boy Meets World. We've been watching a ton of that yeah. on Disney+. Plus. And so we got through a couple episodes of that. By then, it was like 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and we were hungry. Of course... There's no pizza places open at 11 o'clock at night on Thanksgiving Day. Are you okay? What's going on? It was just Spectrum. Okay. <laughs> I turned off my phone. Do you still have cable? Are yeah, it was like, internet? hey, Black Friday special. Here you go, Gmail. Here's another email for you to ignore. <laughs> so I said, Lauren, you know, uh, would you be up if I ran to Walmart and grabbed a pizza? And she's like, yeah, that's cool. So I ran to Walmart, and I guess I wasn't thinking at all. It was insane absolutely chaotic people everywhere because where we live there's a walmart and a best buy right next to each other so you get double dosage of the crazy black friday folks so i go into walmart and i'm wearing a really nice pea coat gym shorts sandals deadpool sandals with socks a backwards hat i look like the epitome of walmart folks like this was i was riding it so well and everyone's, it was your natural, you know, Black Friday chaos. Everyone's looking at me like I have three heads. Did they rearrange the aisles to like mm-hmm. push you places? Yeah, they were constructing it as I was there because oh, okay. they weren't, I think they kind of divvy up the sales and um, stag. Yeah, they kind of stagger that around so that they're, you know, people aren't hitting people over the head with a toaster to get to, you know, the ShamWow or whatever. That is a good strategy though. It is, yeah. Definitely have a, uh, a toaster. <laughs> Random toaster handy. Exactly, at all times during Black Friday shopping. But, um, yeah, well, it's funny because I heard this guy tell his wife, you know, this is the one day of the year that's perfect for grocery shopping because no one's grocery shopping. <laughs> so I walk into Walmart, grab a pizza and some ketchup and walked out like nobody's business. I mean, I could have walked out without even paying and no one would even have noticed. That's true. So, as long as you don't have a TV. Yes. Because there was a security officer there making sure that people were not Check walking out. Check my ketchup. I dare you. <laughs> yeah. So we went back or I went back to the apartment. Lauren was asleep with Scooby. So that was cool. Um, <laughs> she went to bed, and then I proceeded to play medieval, watch Boy Meets World, and eat half of a pizza. Nice. So <laughs> I got home. What did I even do? I played a little bit of Pokemon, and then 
it was like nine o'clock. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So I just went to bed. I slept like 11 hours last night. Yeah, Lauren, I didn't wake up until like nine. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, it was a good time. So what have you been playing this week then? I have been playing Star Wars a bit just towards the beginning half of the week. Work's been, for being a three-day work week, I worked a decent amount. Actually, I did take a half day, which was nice, so I played Pokemon there. But I'm currently at 93% completion of Star Wars. It's uh, all collectibles. Jedi Fallen Order? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I'm getting there. Um, we are watching some glitches, which are hilarious. They the are. The game is not polished. Um, been playing a lot of Pokemon. I think I had three gym badges last time. So now I am at the Elite Four. And I am just buffing out my Pokedex. So I'm 235 as of this morning out of 400 and something. How many hours in? I think like 40. Oh my. But that's more like even doing notes this morning, I just had it wonder trading on the side. So I'm like, it takes two or three, not two or three minutes. It's not me paying attention or playing the story. It's just me throwing Pokemon out into the wild and okay. seeing what I get. So, yeah. I don't want to say that game is as unpolished as Star Wars Fallen Jedi Order. Whatever it's called. Jedi Fallen Order? Yep, that one. But it is pretty unpolished. Wait, Pokemon? Yeah. Why do you say that? Okay, go into the wild area and look at the trees. The assets are directly pulled from like a 3DS game. Oh, really? Yeah, because they have the new trees, like the berry trees, mm -hmm. and they're juxtaposed right next to them with an old asset of a tree that's literally copy and pasted all around the wild area. Mm. It looks balls. Yeah. It looks like balls. I think I said that right. Um, but a lot of the terrain textures are really bad. So the excuse why they don't have the full Pokedex in there for textures or updated animation like the some of the attacks are just literally the character model just jumping up and down, like not moving at all. Really? See, I didn't yeah. even pay attention to those little nuances. Yeah, so a lot of people are irritated by that, and I tend to agree. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm still only about eight and a half hours into Pokemon. Okay. I just finished the second gym badge or gym leader or whatever, uh, and I, I tend to agree with you. Last week you talked about. The little challenges before you actually get to the gym trainer itself, I think they're okay. I mean, they're they're not great, but um, like catching a bunch of sh like herding sheep into a pen, I don't I don't really know why that was necessary. I feel like that was a really they're tedious means of preventing me from just you know fighting three gym leaders and getting to the, the one in the fighting gym is annoying because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, because it wasn't explained well. So it, that one's you're like. How does this, what does it have to do with Pokemon? I, don't, I just don't see the value add in it at all. Like, how is this, how is this supposed to make Pokemon more fun? Me funneling sheep into this pen and then, oh, there's this trainer that happens to be there that stops me. I have to fight him. The sheep go nuts and go off in seven different directions. Because of the dogs. And then I have to herd them back. It just it was like, why am I doing this? This, it's fine. It's okay. It's better than the garbage stuff in Sun and Moon. But at the same time, I'm just kind of questioning why it's even there. Yeah, I think this game is very divisive in the Pokemon community. Though it's the fastest selling Pokemon game ever. Mm -hmm. And I was watching something. Apparently, I didn't know this. Pokemon's worth, like overall sales, is like $90 billion, which is larger than Disney. 
and Star Wars. No. Yes. I don't believe that. Google it. I don't believe that Disney has less revenue than the Pokemon company. $90 billion. I think Disney was like 80 is that all of Disney properties and everything that they own, though? Because they own, like, ESPN, ABC. I think that was all. I don't know what all was included in the Disney thing. I don't know if it was ESPN. It was probably all the mainline Disney stuff. Because today, Disney is one of the, mo- the biggest media companies in the world with an estimated net worth of nearly $130 billion. So fuck you and your facts, Ryan. <laughs> I will Google this shit when we take a break. Okay. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's... The longevity of this game, I don't think, will hold up, and it's extremely easy compared to everything. Would the XP share always toggled? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and I've seen like I've had literally no struggles just steam rolling the game to this to this point. Like I think I was using a level like I don't know seventeen Pikachu versus like nineteen twenty and twenty one in the second gym. As long as you do super effective, you're one-shotting things. Well, and that's the other thing that I, I can appreciate, but like it also makes it that much more easier, is that if you want to shift to a different Pokemon in your party, so it says, like, okay, so right now they have a Bulbasaur out yeah. on the field that you have to fight. You go into your party, and you see, oh, I have a Charmander in my party. It shows the four attacks that Charmander has and how effective or non-effective his attacks are versus the Pokemon that's on the field. Yeah. So it's like... The playbook is there. I just have to basically just smash A. I mean, Pokemon's always kind of been like that, but this is almost taking that to the next level. Yeah, because that was in um, Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. That was the first time I think they had it. Oh, see, I don't even remember. Sun and Moon. I don't even remember it being in there. Yeah, it was definitely in there. But I don't know. They need to change up the formula or a lot of the hardcore older fan base is going to leave. Well, it would just be cool if they they didn't strip the game of those, you know, um, those means of streamlining the experience for those that want a more or streamlined give a game. Hard mode. But if you could toggle those things off, no experience share, no like hand holding as far as like these are the pow- these are the attacks that are most effective. You should know that fire is powerful against grass Pokemon. Like that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, I think this is the first game you can't toggle XP share because I think you could do it even in Let's Go Pikachu. I'm almost positive you could do it in X and Y because it was an actual item that you had to like yeah. equip and use. You could do it in Ruby version i know x and y you could sun and moon you could it, the only questionable games are let's go pikachu and <coughs> eevee and this one yeah but i don't know it it a lot of the things seem lazy to me i will show you this clip because i was watching some like multiple reviews and like just to see opinions out there and like i i go, went through with like i don't know happy eyes i don't know what the actual phrase is but like like rose colored glasses or whatever yes, it is that's exactly what it is yeah. happy eyes <laughs> what the fuck are you <laughs> i was coked out and had happy eyes <laughs> um yeah rose that's exactly what i wanted to say um but looking back like because i've been running around the wild area trying to catch things from my deck yeah and uh those trees <laughs> Oh god, those trees. You like, just can't not see it anymore. I can't unsee, unsee like it. the horrible textures like Yeah, like the new areas look good, but holy shit. Hmm. So, that's a shame. I mean, you know, so far there's been nothing that I've seen to really damper the experience for me or say like this this is garbage. This is, you know, just another sun and moon. 
So far, I'm really enjoying my time with it, but I'm sure the more hours I pump into it, I'll start to notice the nuances of the trees, the textures, and the unpolishedness of the whole thing. Yeah, and like going into the wild area, if you have the internet connected, and to like Wonder Trade, you have to have the internet internet connection. So you can see other players around the wild area, but there's a lot of pop in and out of assets. Mm. Like a lot of NPCs and other players pop in and out. I got you. But yeah, besides that, more importantly than Pokemon in Star Wars um, this week, um, what is it? Is it Sega? Who does Monster Hunter? I think Capcom. Capcom. The, yeah, Sega. Sega. When was <laughs> the last time Sega had a good property, Ryan? I don't know. It certainly wasn't Sonic. Yeah, I, well, I've been watching. I was watching N sixty four stuff, and Sega is the only thing on my mind now. Um, yeah, Capcom's releasing two new monsters on this Thursday, and I don't know why they do Thursday releases. Probably because it's, I don't know, it's Capcom. They can do whatever they want. Exactly. But there's going to be Capcom a... is actually Thursday in German. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, he, you sounded very convincing. And I, I like, read that on the internet, yeah, Ryan. Yeah, it's a very Japanese <laughs> company. I'm sure they went to Germany to figure out what they would name there. Um yeah, they're releasing that, like, red wolf thing. Yeah, you show me him, the video of it. Stagian uh, Zenogre. And, more importantly, a black dragon potentially is coming to the game. And there's only, like, I think three black dragons. They're, like, the highest tier. There's, like, no information. And, like, Capcom was actually, like, YouTube striking people who were, like, leaking information about this. Oh, really? Like, bringing down youtube channels Hmm. because like in any of the lore books or any of the games like strategy guys black dragons aren't there so like the first time they actually showed models was at this 15 year anniversary apparently oh nice so now they're potentially getting one in this game and it looks like a new dragon and i'm super excited and it's december 3rd 6th 5th okay so this thursday okay Gotcha. A week from, I guess, yesterday. Yes. Cool. Wow, it's weird to think it's Friday. What the hell? Well, yeah, because I got um, like, I thought it was like at least Sunday. Like I'm thinking it's Sunday because yesterday was a day off. Yeah, we're kind of our body clocks are off just because of the three day week. Yeah. It's kind of nice though. I'm not complaining. I if you yeah, I mean you could pack normal days into three day weeks, and I'll take four day weekends every weekend. Me too. Any more Pokemon stuff? No. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I did watch. So I was watching this um, speedrunner. His name's Distortion Two, and he currently has the fastest all-boss run of uh, Dark Souls Two. Oh! But he started doing speedruns of um, shit. What was that game you're gonna get Black Friday? Death Stranding. Death Stranding. My memory is shot this morning. It might be the monster, but Jeez, like, I can't think of things. Destroying your brain cells. Yeah. So he he was running that game, and he. Did it, I think, in six hours and 45 minutes was his first attempt. Wow. And he got it down to like 5.30-ish, I think was his most recent run. And I started watching that. He obviously skips all the story. And I want to understand the story. But some of like the moves they do. He did like a rock jump where you jump and then jump on a rock and like you skip almost. And I'm like, how the hell do people like do all this? Yeah, I mean, I could never spend that amount of time with a game and, and get any kind of enjoyment out of it because you're trying to find any any point in the game where you can shave off mere seconds of your time. 
trying to yeah. perfect the speed run. Because I mean, I've, I've watched Pete do it with a number of games, Dark Cloud, Final Fantasy XIII, um, a, a number of games that he's speed ran in the past. But that would just, I don't know, for me personally, because when he says when you start speed running, you can never not go into a game and think about how can I speed run this? Yeah. You're, you're kind of picking apart the game, how it's structured, the platforming segments, boss battles, whatever it might be, to say, like, how can I shave time off of this to potentially do a speed run? I'm just like, I never want to get to that point in games. I mean, no, certainly it, there are times where, and we've talked about this before, where there are so many games on my plate that I kind of want to just get through games as fast as I possibly can to get to the next. Yeah. But then I kind of like, either you call me out on it or Lauren does, where it's like, Rusty, slow down and just enjoy the experience. Yeah, I'm there for the story, for the experience. I'm there for the music. Fuck the story. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, yeah, that's actually probably pretty true. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Star Wars, apparently. That was yeah, I was very invested in that. Yeah. What was the last one? Maybe Uncharted was the last one you actually didn't skip story. Super Mario sixty four actually. Yeah, it was a long time yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I was six. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's everything I've been playing. Nice. Yeah. So I um I played quite a bit of Medieval, which again is the PS1 remake. It is a at its core, it's just a hack and slash game. So you play as this um skeleton dude to kind of set the story up. When the game kicks off, it's very standard folktale fare. This evil sorceress it wants to take over this kingdom, and this king of what is the name? Galloweer or Gal Gallomir is the name of this kingdom. Okay. So he instructs this guy named Sir Dan Fortesque on a task of leading his army, this king's army, to defeat this evil sorceress, or sorcerer. So the funny thing is, I mean, the animation in this game is actually really, really well done. You have this horde of people charging towards this sorcerer and his undead army, and the first arrow that's shot up in the air comes down and hits Sir Dan Fortesk right in the face, and he dies. He's the first person to die in battle. <laughs> Well, the king, he kind of covers it up and says he's the one who actually was able to defeat this evil sorcerer. He killed him even after all the wounds. And just as he stabbed the sorcerer, um, he also died at the same time. Okay. You know, it's a classic Romeo and Juliet tale. Well, he, the sorcerer actually didn't die. hundred years go by. He cast this spell to revive his undead army and in so doing actually revives Sir Dan Fortesque. So you come back as this skeleton, since you've been rotting in the ground for 100 years. And the game is, again, set up in a very traditional hack-and-slash nature where you have these different levels. And it's set up kind of similar to Super Mario World and those classic um, platforming games okay. where you have this world kind of shrouded in, in smoke. And as you beat each level, more of the smoke is unraveled. And then you kind of make your way up this mountain up until like the final battle. I'm assuming it's against um, Zerok, the wizard, who's this sorcerer person. So you go into each of these levels, and you're hack and slashing your way through. And with each enemy, you're killing you know, your standard werewolves and zombies and undead creatures. Very standard. Yeah. Well, as you're <laughs> as you're killing these different things, you unlock a certain percentage point, yeah. trying to lead, make your way up to a hundred percent. And if you kill as many enemies as it takes to get to hundred percent, you unlock a golden chalice in each level. Okay. So when you collect the chalice, it takes you automatically after you exit the level to this hall of heroes, which is this hall of all of the most memorable, well-known, world-renowned soldiers over the years. And there's just statues of them kind of set up, scattered around this hall. And after you get each chalice, it awards you 
either a new weapon like a crossbow or throwing knives or just enhancements to your already existing broadsword or, or what have you. Okay, so is it RPG in the sense that like it's constantly getting new loot or like you're constantly trying to unlock Hall of Heroes armor? No, so yeah, you, you go through each of these levels, right? It, you get to 100%, you unlock the Golden Chalice. So when you go to the Hall of Heroes, you're not like upgrading your level, your sword to level 2, 3, 4, and 5. It's just a whole new sword. It's okay. a whole new crossbow. And is that the best sword in the game when you get the Hall of Heroes sword? Well, you get a number of different swords. Oh, so okay. the game starts out, you rip off your own arm and just use that as a sword because you don't have anything. Ah, oh, that's standard, I guess. Yeah, and Everybody then... do that in Skyrim. <laughs> well, and then later in the game, of course, as you unlock more chalices, these different soldiers get you new weapons and stuff. Okay, and then replayability of levels, is that a thing? Yes, so you can go back if you don't get 100% and get the chalice. You can replay it to... Can you refarm a chalice, like 100%? Like, say you got 100% on a level, mm-hmm. and you got a, the golden chalice. Can you get another golden chalice from that level, or do you have that chalice chaliced out? No, so each level has a chalice, and with each chalice in that level is an associated upgrade. So you can't farm the same level 10 times and get everything in the game. Okay. Yeah, so each level has an associated reward with it. Mm, interesting. So you can't just farm so it out. So do you as a character level up, or is it just purely based off of gear? Just purely your gear. The only thing that I would say for your character, character specific is you have these energy vials, which act as your health potions. Okay. And so you can't actually use them to your heart's content um, you have a percentage of health, 0 to 100, and as enemies are whacking you, it goes down to 0, and then it automatically reuses your next vial. So I think you start out with like two vials. I have four right now. Um, but like once my health reaches 0, it automatically, I use the next vial, and I'm back to 100% health. Okay. And once you, you know, expend all four or however many vials you have, you actually have to restart the whole level. There are no checkpoints in this game. There are checkpoints How in the sense... How long are the levels? I mean, again, if you are a speedrunner in nature, you could probably power through these levels in minutes. Um, You're going for the chalices, though. Yeah, no, I want to collect everything. Surprise. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I've had instances where I got to the very end of the level, I died, and not only do you go to the beginning of the level, your percentage of, your percent complete to get to the chalice restarts. So let's just say you've unlocked the chalice and then you die and go back to the start of level, the chalice is no longer unlocked. You have to kill, you know, how 30 more enemies mm-hmm. to raise that percentage to unlock the chalice again. Interesting. So it is, and that's probably my biggest gripe with the game is it's it's kind of unforgiving in that sense. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, like as long as you're um, cautious with the enemies that are around you, you're using ranged weapons when you have more aggressive and tough to kill enemies, there's really no reason you should be dying often in this game. Okay. Yeah, so. this is one of the games I always wanted to play. So this is the remake or the original? It's the remake of the PS1 game. They also remade it on the PlayStation that's Portable. That's crazy how different it looks. Look at this. Like, that's the original? Yeah. And that's the remake? Yeah, it looks fantastic. And it I really awesome. just applaud the developers who, who took the reins with this because it, it's averaging out like as like a 60 on Metacritic right now. It didn't get great reviews. Some of the hiccups I will say is that one, a little bit unforgiving with the checkpoint system. I would say there are some frame rate drops when you have a lot of people on screen at the same time. There's just a lot going on. There's some graphical slowdown, but nothing to the point where I've died as a result of it. Okay. Um, but all the transitions between levels, so you like you'll open up a gate to get to this next level, and this little like 30 second animation will play out 
and it's really well done. I mean, it's like watching kind of a classic, almost animated feature. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's done very, very well. The other thing I'll say, I have to speak to this in every game I talk about, is the music. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, and just the atmosphere of the game, it's almost like the quintessential Halloween game. Not in the sense that it's terrifyingly creepy, you know, you're, you're, you're shielding your eyes in moments. It's just kind of that zany quirkiness that you find in Tim Burton movies. Yeah. I would say the music is kind of a mix of Danny Elfman and Monster Mash. It has this playful nature to it, but it also is kind of creepy at, at some segments. Yeah. So I think that, you know, tied with the gameplay itself and the wonky story that you have and, and just Sir Daniel himself, he's just such a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, when you're terrified of things, Ryan, you're a dude. I'm the one who couldn't think of words this morning. He's a coward. That's what coward. I'm looking for. Yeah, he, and he's just a coward. That's why he's the first person to die in battle. He is fearful of going into any environment at all. But um, yeah, it, there's just a lot of humor infused with it. It's a fun hack and slash game. Good music. I'd recommend it for twenty bucks. I think you can beat it in like six to eight hours. But if you're trying to collect everything, you're probably looking at like ten to twelve. Okay. At the very least, it's a good rental. Yeah. So, I don't I'll know. borrow from you. Yeah. No, I'm having a really good time with it, so I'm looking forward to playing that more. And after this, I don't really know what I'm going to sink my teeth into. Shenmue is a potential uh, candidate for that. Horizon, Days Gone. Uh, Travis also talked to me, senior executive producer of the show, if you're new to the uh, Talk About This podcast. Travis suggested that I play Super Mario Odyssey because... Yes. It's one, I'm a huge fan of 3D platformers, and he said it's just one of the most most joy-filled games you could possibly play, and given how stressed I've been with work and everything else going on right now, it'd probably be a nice little... Uh, and you can collect outfits in that one too, which oh, is nice. a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, it, it probably is right up my alley right now, given everything else that's going on. Yeah, but, do it. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I think that is enough of the games that we've been playing recently, Ryan, if you don't have anything else. Nope, I'm good. Cool. So you can write into the show. I do Talk to Brothers Podcast at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Instagram, Lewis 2011 post a query 24 hours before we record the show. You guys can ask us something, or I'll throw something out there, a particular subject matter that you can respond to. And of course, this week, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, we are doing an N64 retrospective and so i asked the listeners what their favorite experiences with the console were on instagram or just some of their favorite games and the listeners came in real strong the last time i checked ryan we had 16 responses Holy crap! now some of those were the, the same person saying multiple things like they were telling a short story mm-hmm. um okay over instagram responses so here we go and before uh, let me preface this by saying, so Ryan and I are going to go through questions now, both on the Instagram and Gmail. We did get some submissions for both. And then we're going to talk through the history of the console and all the other N64 topics that we have planned. Yes. So here we go, Ryan. The Instagram responses. The first one is Logan. And before I read his response, just a congratulations to him and his girlfriend on their baby boy. Yeah, congrats. His name is Nolan. He's beautiful. Congrats, Logan. He said, my friend Nick and I were playing 1080 snowboarding and a big CRT TV fell off the top of the dresser on his head. He had to go to the ER and get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Heavy. That um, 
I have to know, Logan, did you guys continue playing 1080 snowboarding yeah, after who that won? incident? Yeah, seriously. More that's, importantly. That's what we want to know. Brady, friend of the show. I actually don't think he listens. I went to high school with him, though. He said Super Mario 64, GoldenEye, NFL Blitz, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of the Time, and Star Fox 64. Very nice. Excellent games. Travis himself, senior executive producer of the show. Banjo-Tooie, Majora's Mask, and Paper Mario 64. Good stuff. We got an email from him, so more on that later. Steven went to college with him. I don't think he listens. Perfect Dark, my guy. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Soundtrack composed by Grant Kirkhope himself. Caitlin, I work with her. I don't think she listens either. What's you, up with this? No one listens you, to the show. Do you did you ever send in the stuff to the Kirkhope? Nope, it's packaged up. It's sitting in my uh I guess it's just kind of sitting somewhere in our apartment. I don't really know. Yeah, on Lauren's desk. Yeah, that's still there. Cool. Gotta send that out to Grant to sign. Anyways, Caitlin says Goldeneye. Great, great very game. Nice. I actually have some very interesting facts about the game to talk about later in the show. Okay. So stay I'm tuned. Ready to hear it. Frantic Josh of the Frantic Thoughts podcast. Check him out on Apple Podcasts and other podcasting platforms. He says, we all three threw that penguin off the side of the level in Super Mario 64. Rest in peace, penguin. Yeah. I don't Definitely. think I actually ever did that. If I did, I don't recall. Dude, that's my first go-to thing. What can we kill in these games? Well, you race the big penguin down. You get his little friend or his little child, and then you take it down. All the the, the beautiful Super Mario 64 Christmas music's playing, and you just punt a penguin off of a never-ending ledge? Yeah, of course. You're sick. Toast my love, Brian. Well, you, you First you taunt a chain chomp with it. <laughs> <laughs> You're sick. Brian says, the first time I played Mario Kart, and of course, Goldeneye. Excellent selections. A lot of Goldeneye. Hillary, my cousin, who actually, her father, her dad, my uncle, is the one who introduced me to Ocarina of Time and Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, Mr. Duff. Exactly. Comes full circle. Mario Party 64, Super Smash Brothers, and Diddy Kong Racing. The superior the superior kart racer on the N64. I agree. Uh. Um, Courtney... It was her brother who actually introduced me to Goldeneye. We'll get to that later. She said, Banjo-Kazooie, N64 was the best bond Mason and I had growing up. So many memories. And I agree. So Mason is the one that introduced me to Goldeneye. Stay tuned for later. Sean, troll of the show, says, Halo 5 and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Did you say troll of the show? Yeah. Because he's also the one that wrote in and said his favorite Star Wars movie is Captain Picard. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sean himself, he says, Diddy Kong Racing in all caps, I agree. He also says, original Super Bros. <laughs> <laughs> I.e., Super Smash Brothers. He said he also had a quirk where he had to use the same controller every time he played. Anyone else? Question mark. I completely agree, Sean. I had a black controller. It was just an all-black controller. was nothing special about it. But that's the controller I had to use every time. You, of course, had the original gray. We had a yellow one and I think a off-brand see-through purple controller. Okay. But it was the black one that I had to use every single time. I think I had to use the yellow one. We also had a black one, I'm pretty sure. And we had a gray one. I actually found my GameCube controllers. Did you? Where were they? They were in my closet with some of my painting supplies. Nice. For that one, I had to use my uh, the silver platinum one mm-hmm. for that like limited edition silver GameCube. Oh yeah, the double dash one. Yeah, that's the one I got for Christmas. 
Was it Double Dash? I don't think so. I Mine came bubble, bumbled, dumbled, <laughs> bundled. <laughs> Close. We can't speak this week. Yeah, we're struggling hardcore. Chronolink nine one. Make sure it's not bumbled together. That's right. <laughs> Chronolink nine one says, "Getting one for Christmas with me getting Mario Kart sixty four. My brother's getting Wet Tricks and FIFA ninety nine. What is Wet Tricks? I want to say that's a really weird puzzle game. I forget though. Let me check to see." Wetrix N64. Yeah, it looks like a... um, Almost like a... uh, Sonic... uh, What is it? Sonic Spinball or Super Monkey Ball. Oh, okay. Very strange looking game. What else do we have here? He says, definitely got the better gift of the three. Also getting Super Mario 64 and Mario Party 2. Mario Party 2 as time went on. Um... He's, uh, oh, he said those gifts made his childhood full. N64 did that for so many children growing up. Tommy was in our fraternity growing up, or uh, in in college. He said GoldenEye, Mario Kart, and the underrated Mario Tennis. I agree. Mario Tennis is amazing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Lauren and I actually had a lot of dates in college playing solely Mario Tennis on the N64. Really? Yeah. Little known fact about our dating history. (laughs) Just Mario Tennis. Your friend Matt said... So it's because you can't play normal tennis. That's Even though you got a racket. True. Yeah, your dad got me one. Your friend Matt said Goldeneye. Oh, cool. So that's all that we got from the Instagram. Folks, thank you for everyone writing uh, writing in. Even if you don't listen to the show, we appreciate the community involvement. We did get some emails though, Ryan. Let me refresh the page to make sure we didn't get anything more. I want to thank Nolan, Chronolink91, and Josh of the Frantic Thoughts podcast for writing in their top um, modern games, if you will. Okay. They wrote in emails. We'll probably be reading those next week, assuming that we actually follow through with our plan of doing our favorite games of the last decade. I mean, I've been ready for three weeks. All right. So. I don't need you to add salt to injury here. <laughs> yeah. Travis I mean, writes in with his... can't be the weakest link. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Ryan, Travis writes in so. with his... The subject header being unfiltered coffee thought number 12 n64 edition as i mentioned last episode travis has been sending ryan and i unfiltered coffee thoughts while he stays up to the wee hours of the morning uh watching his his daughter mm-hmm. he was of course recently born a few weeks ago and uh some of them are pretty blunt raw very real he said rogue one is not only his favorite star wars movie he thinks it's one of the best action movies of all time so take that for what you will preface that statement going into this next email i can only imagine what he's going to say happy thanksgiving to you both and to you you. also travis and your beautiful family he says blunt statement time the n64 is the champion of not only the late 90s but also the early 2000s gaming generation yes i agree with the email so far every single thing playstation attempted on the ps2 is an imitation of the greatness n64 began all right calm down you can here. hash that one out plus the n64 is superior and only surpassed by nintendo's successor with the gamecube ocarina of time is the og but it's needlessly uh fetish fetishized the amount of fanboyism surrounding it cheapens its actual legacy Majora, building from the Ocarina of Time Foundation, is the far superior and more original, excuse me, N64 title, and the one that should serve as inspiration for Zelda titles yet to come. Breath of the Wild seems to get this and pursues new ideas. 
which is why it's earned so much acclaim. That Link's, <laughs> that Link's Awakening remake, nobody will look back on it in the next decade as a favorite Zelda title. Did you ever finish that? I did not. Cool. It was that good. Chrono Link 9-1 has a pitchfork and he's heading to your house, Travis. It didn't channel the spirit of Majora or Breath of the Wild or even A Link Between Worlds, but the fanboy spirit and therefore but the fanboy spirit, and therefore lacks the originality it could have had. I don't care about the freshness of the paint. It was still a cash grab that took advantage of nostalgia. Give me more Majora and less Ocarina of Time. He goes on. Paper Mario doesn't have the pedigree or depth or story found in Final Fantasy titles, but it's much more fun to play. And on another note, while the Mario and Luigi RPG titles are excellent, one of Nintendo's biggest mis missteps is in turfing Paper Mario's twists on the RPG that's on the RPG to that series and instead turning the Paper Mario series into a line of needless gimmicks. I'd take one more excellent Paper Mario game, like the excellent Thousand Year Door on GameCube, than the two to three more Mario and Luigi titles. They're good, but with within the Paper Mario series, it was great. And while I can't speak to the Paper Mario games specifically, Travis, I do agree that the Mario and Luigi games were just, they were just hashing those out year after year, and I just felt like they weren't building upon the previous game in any significant way, and if anything, I felt like they were taking steps backward with games like Dream Team, and I'd even argue um, the remake of, uh, what was it, Superstar Star, Super Saga, I mean, again, it was just kind of a cash grab for a game that was already so brilliant on the Game Boy Advance, I didn't think it needed another coat of paint. We go on in Travis's email. Mario Party, especially number two, and Super uh, and Smash Brothers are peerless series. No competitor has successfully mimicked them. Microsoft gobbling up Rareware and then leaving it to rot is the biggest tragedy in the gaming industry. Such a waste. Travis, if I read nothing else in your email, that might be the best statement you've ever sent us in an email. <laughs> Talking about blunt statements. Final statement, every excellent gaming experience of the 2000s owes a debt to the N64. Thanks, Travis. Mic drop. Actually, might just might as well just spike the mic and then spit on it after that. Wow, that was intense, people. Hopefully you can um, go back and re-listen to everything that I just said from Travis email that was intense but thank you Travis I agree with many of those statements the N64 so many developers particularly games that were you know early 3D games if you will owe it to Nintendo for kind of setting that foundation for one the possibility of it and then borrowing so heavily in the mechanics that Nintendo laid out in games like Mario 64 and certainly the Ocarina of Time we get another email here though moving on Nick Nick Knack he titles the email N60 or Nintendo 64 games. The N64 was definitely one of the most important consoles of my childhood, with being able to play it at the houses of family friends. When it came to games, I of course grew up with the usual, like Mario 64s, Super Smash Bros., Ocarina of Time, and Rare's first-person shooters, especially with playing GoldenEye with cheats. Not sure if the other listeners will mention it, but the WWF games on there were pretty good as well. I unfortunately have not played the most well-known ones, which is no mercy, but Warzone and Attitude were decent and had some great character creations. I want to pause before he goes on in his email. I will agree with that. I actually had some cousins on my dad's side um, that I went to, and they had like six or seven of these different WWF, WWE games, and they were some of the most fun I had on the console. These wrestling games, a sport that I 
can we even call it a sport, people? It's not even real. It's it's basically a Hollywood sport, if you will. That's true. But some of the most entertaining sports games on the console, and I have no interest in WWE or F at all, but you could literally create your own characters and go into this ring and just bre- beat the bloody hell out of each other in WWE fashion. Pick That's up chairs fun. and just whack each other. Climb a cage and just cannonball in another person's face. Definitely didn't play those. Well, they were good Definitely times. Definitely pretty violent for my uh, 11-year-old self. Well, I have some of them, so we can revisit them as your 27-year-old self. Awesome. It was, or He says, if I were to pick my all-time favorite 64 game, though, I'd say F-Zero X. That's the game that made me a fan of the series, and I go on to say that it might be on the level of greatness as Nintendo's kart racers because of how fast and fun it is, as well as how much of an amazing soundtrack it has. Sad to see Nintendo give the series and its fans the middle finger, though, and focus only on support for Mario Kart. I agree, Nick. While I can't speak to the F-Zero series specifically, I know a lot of people are very big fans of X on the N64 and even more so GX on the GameCube. It was never a series I got into just because I heard more so on the GameCube how brutally challenging it was. Really? But I think post-GameCube, Nintendo really only focused on... Um, Mario Kart. Yeah. I mean, they had some games like the um, Excite Bots and Excite Truck and things of that nature that were kind of off the beaten path for Nintendo. You know, they, they kind of strayed away from the Mario Kart formula. But why there was not an F Zero game on the 3DS was just a complete and utter miss because that game would have looked so beautiful in 3D and just rendered in those 3D graphics. And the soundtrack would have been great. I hope we see it on the Switch, but I'm definitely not holding my breath. Yeah, I don't think so. I do like Captain Falcon. He's awesome. Awesome character. And uh, to his point, Nick's point specifically, um, the music in those games is just, it perfectly complements the fast gameplay of the, the racing game. Yeah, it does. So, Good stuff. Well, thank you everyone that wrote in, Nick, Travis, and everyone on the, the Instagrams as well. Hopefully, this, these, this discussion here will uh, nicely complement the, the history that Ryan and I are going to get into favorite games, and all that fun stuff ahead. With that being said, Ryan, I think we should just hop right into it, talking about the hype of the N64 leading up to its launch in 1996. Let's do it. So I really kind of um, borrowed from a number of different sites here, kind of collecting my notes of the hype leading up to launch, everything that happened leading up to it, and all of the intricacies of the naming conventions and all of that fun stuff. So I'm going to kind of go down the list here of my notes. It's going to be very scripted, so just prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. So, Ryan, at 19, or at Nintendo's annual Shoshinkai trade show of August 1993, then-president of Nintendo, Hiroshi Yamauchi, took the stage and announced the existence of what was then to be Project Reality, oh, yeah. which was advertised as being the successor to the Super Nintendo. It was being built in partnership with Silicon Graphics to bring high-quality 3D graphics to the masses for under $300 in U.S. currency. The partnership with SGI was exciting since the company was responsible for CGI and many high-grossing blockbusters like Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park. Project Reality was announced to release in the summer of 1995 for a price of exactly $250. Unfortunately, things behind the scenes at SGI began to fall apart with many executive-level problems. Not only did Nintendo begin to distance themselves from them, but in May of 1994, they announced that Project Reality would continue to utilize cartridges 
instead of newer CD media that every other console had adopted. We're looking at the Sega Saturn and the eventual PS1. Mm -hmm. The reason given behind this move was that it would cost uh, consumers $100 more for the console to be produced. I did see that one. So it, research, which is crazy. <clears throat> well, it, it's, it calls to question what could have graced the N64 had it had the power of CD disc media. Yeah, I, I, maybe the technology or the readers back then cost that much more because it was so new. You got to think like Blu-rays or what HD or whatever they went DVDs. Yeah, DVDs. Yeah. Then HD to Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Those were super expensive when they came out. Yeah, Blu-rays were like a thousand dollars or something stupid. That's why everyone that's, got the PS3. That's why I got the yeah. Because it was the only reason I got the PS3. Six hundred dollars versus a thousand dollars. Well, there also was, and I didn't have this in my notes because it's an entirely different tangent of a subject. There was a think, and I'm going to probably butcher the name. I think there was a CD disc drive or um, Nintendo DD disc drive okay. um, that was released exclusively in Japan. It was a peripheral attachment to the Nintendo 64 console that I think allowed you to play disc games. I think there was a very small library of games playable in Japan for the N64. I don't even even I don't even know if it was beyond, like beyond prototype. It may have just been in, in its infancy stages and never saw. Well, I saw a little plug-in thing where you could actually increase, I think it was like the pixels. Well, that's what I have. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, um, okay. what the heck is it called? It has a weird name. Eon or something stupid like that. That might be the GameCube adapter. Um, but yeah, it's an adapter to allow you to play HD, have HD component cables from your N64 to your TV. And then there's a little button that you can press that increases the pixels relatively speaking here it's yeah i mean like 4k it's like ass <laughs> hd ass like we you know anyways ryan getting back into it here in 19 oh wait, so no at this time so this is post the we found out that it's going to continue to use cartridges yeah i think they're one of their executives released that later on in like an interview and he was like yeah would have cost us 100 bucks so we didn't do it so at this time they also announced that the system would be called the Ultra 64. Yeah. But now in 1995, we saw the release of both the Sega Saturn and Sony's PS1, so Nintendo had quite a bit of pressure to get their shit together. So finally, in November of 1995, at their, again, annual Shoshinkai trade show, Nintendo released more Ultra 64 details and game trailers. The first of these announcements was the system had once again received a name change to the Nintendo 64. It was also revealed that the system would be delayed until April 1996 in Japan. Games playable at the show were early prototypes for Super Mario 64 and Kirby Ball 64. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that eventually became known as Kirby's Crystal Shards, or if that was, again, just some prototype that never saw the light of day. Remains to be seen. Other video demos were available showcasing early concepts of Zelda 64, Star Fox, and Mario Kart. The Nintendo 64 controller was also revealed for the first time. Now, Ryan, there's some other little nuances that happened between this time and the eventual launch, but I just flash forward for the, for the listener's sake to the launch. So, September 26, 1996, the console finally reached North American shores with only two games at launch. That's a solid lineup right there. But we'll get into this here. So Super Mario 64 and Pilot Wings were the only two games to grace the launch of the N64, which is interesting for a number of reasons. So you look back at the history of Nintendo, more often than not, they have one game that you have to play day one, mm-hmm. or shortly thereafter. So Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, you know, for the NES era, yeah. Super Mario World, 
for the Super Nintendo, Mario 64, Combat of Giants, Dinosaurs 3D for 3DS. Everyone knows the heavy hitters that I'm talking about here. <laughs> but What's the dinosaur one? Combat of Giants, Dinosaurs 3D. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the shitty launch titles for the 3DS. Sounds ridiculous. Anyways... <laughs> We, um, what do I, where am I at here? I, okay, so I'd also argue that Nintendo struggles to have consistent follow-up to their heavy hitter system sellers on day one, and the N64 in this instance is no different, and there are some downstream effects to that that we'll get into here. So yeah, I guess we had another first-party game in Wave Race 64 that released November 1st, which of course showcased the power of the console incredibly well with its great water effects. We also saw some third-party support with games like Star Wars Shadows of the Empire with my boy, Dash Rendar, that came out on December 3rd, but it really wasn't until 1997 when when things really picked up. Shit's getting real. This is insane. Like, 1997 and 98, really those back, those later years in the late 90s that were just unbelievable for video game, uh, just for video games in general, and to Travis's point when he wrote in his email earlier... The, the PS2, the GameCube, the Xbox, so many of the games that, you know, were were cataloged on those systems would have never been created if it wasn't for some of these heavy hitter N64 titles. So, here Wait, we go. Just for context, when did the Game Boy Color, or Game Boy, just regular Game Boy come out? 1989, I think. Let me check that. Really? That far in the past? Mm-hmm. That's like 10 years earlier. Yeah, April 21st, 1989. Holy cow. Okay. Interesting. All right, Ryan. So here we get into... you mind if I take a a sip of water real quick? No. Okay. You're not allowed to. Mm. That's right. I've been drinking all morning. Some of those Corona lights you've been sucking down. (laughs) Yeah. That and Crystal Light. That's right. You got a pregame for the Otaku Brothers podcast. All right, Ryan. So we're going to you know, go down the list here for all the games that came out in 1997. Not all of them, because there was a ton. There was some garbage like you know, Madden and all that crap that no one wants to hear about. the worst type of game. But these are some of the games that I figured you know, people would be surprised that came out subsequently all in that same year. So January 17th, 1997, NBA Hangtime, which was a NBA Jam clone, played very similarly. Okay. If you played that in the arcade or on the Super Nintendo Genesis. Mario Kart 64, February 10th. That's a solid start. Absolutely. Blastcore, February 28th. My goodness, people. Cue up the main title theme for Blastcore. I sent it to you and Travis. Glory Crossing. Glory Crossing is the actual subtitle. You'll increase your max bench press by like 30 fucking pounds. Really? Oh, the song is so... It's it's mad intense. It's really good. So when I was sleeping all of yesterday... (laughs) Yeah. I looked at my phone once I took a nap at like... Six o'clock, and I looked down. I had forty-two unread messages, and I'm just like, "That's very intimidating." Well, that's most of it was. You can thank senior executive of producer of the show, Travis himself. I still have yet to read all of those. We were going back and forth about Star Wars, and I will say to people, please hit up the Discord. The link is in the show notes below. There is some excellent discussion going on, and they're very civil. I will say too about Star Wars. Particularly this new trilogy. Yeah. Chrono some Link. people liking the new trilogy. Yes. Yes. And, and there was some good... That's why I didn't tune in. Well, I saw that. And I was like, you know what? I can't be civil. 
I'm going to sleep it off because I'm hangry. No, it's, it, you know, some healthy discussions going on there. And I think it's, it's worth people getting in and, you know, sharing your side of the story because I understand that these, these new movies are very divisive and what people think about them. But yeah. I think Chrono and uh, Josh of Frantic Thoughts podcast did a nice job going yes. back and forth. So, wait, wait, wait. Is Rogue One still under the Disney? Is that under the Disney umbrella? Of course it is. Okay. So that one's by far the best. Well, no, but... Yes. Sure. I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, Ryan, but I would just I, say So I rewatched that yesterday, or half of it yesterday and half of it the night before, and oh, it's so good. Yeah. Like the beach. Oh, I just want to go lay on a beach now. Me too. With stormtroopers everywhere, just <laughs> sunning themselves, getting crispy white armor. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get back to this? Yeah, sure. Okay. So Blast Core, of course, came out on February 28th. That same day, we got Turok Dinosaur Hunter. And That's the same as the arcade one, right? The Turok? Like where you sit and you have those guns? No, that was like a Magic Jurassic Mountain. That was a Jurassic Park game. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Close. Yeah. They have dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> so Turok Dinosaur Hunter came out February 28th. A really fun first-person shooter. Doom 64 came out not three days later on March... Actually, it was a month and three days later, I suppose, March 31st. <laughs> there aren't 31 days in February, people. Remember, this is an educational program. Doom 64, March 31st. Star Fox 64 came out on June 30th. Did you ever play Doom? Not on the 64. Okay. I played uh, the original Xbox. Um, I think I played Doom 3 Res- Res- Resurrection of Evil, and I think that may have had an original copy of Doom on it. Okay. And then I, of course, played a little bit of the newer Doom. How was the new Doom? It's crazy. Really? Yeah, it's, it's Yeah, it's super intense. There's not a whole lot of room for stealth gameplay there. You kind of just run into a room with your crazy jetpack thing and just steamroll over all kinds of monsters. Okay. Yeah, Mom thought I'd kill people if I played Doom, so I well, never got to. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. Star Fox oh, well. 64 on June 30th. What an amazing game that was. That one was fun. GoldenEye 007 changed first-person shooters forever. August 25th. What an amazing game and that that's was. Split screen, right? You couldn't play the co-op, or you couldn't play the uh, the campaign co-op. Oh, okay. But it did have multiplayer. Yeah. yeah we have some really too. interesting facts about that later on, Ryan. So just prepare yourself for that. Extreme G came out on September 30th. A great racing game by our friends of Acclaim, at Acclaim. Also some super intense music. Kind of okay. similar similar to F-Zero, if you will. Mischief Makers on October 1st. Great game developed by Treasure. Mischief Makers. It's a really weird platformer. Oh, okay. It's worth playing. I have it. I'll hook you up if you want to play like some time. Sly Fox or Sly Cooper? Sly Fox? <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? Don't disgrace the name of Sly in front of me. Close. Duke Nukem 64, yeah. October 31st. It's another fun first-person shooter. Diddy Kong Racing, the superior kart racing game on the N64, came out the same year as Mario I Kart. Know, right? That's wild. November 24th, just in time for Black Friday shoppers. Bomberman 64, what a great game that was, November 30th. Had a lot of fun playing that with my buddy Scott. Shout out to Scott if you're listening. And then Ryan, December 2nd, the game we've all been waiting for. People were waiting since January. They almost went in hibernation for this. Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Just for a chance to look at Vanna White and those slick 64 graphics and her clay-modeled mm, body. All those pixels. 
Give me some of that 32 bits. So that's really all I have for the releases in 1997. But I mean, the fact that's that a we solid year. The fact that we got Mario Kart 64, Star Fox 64, GoldenEye, Diddy Kong Racing, all in a matter of mere months, is just amazing to me. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, if you think about this, I mean, I got none of those games. Well, in the first year and a half, you have Mario, Super Mario 64, Wave Race 64. And then the games I just mentioned from 1997, mm-hmm. it's amazing. When did you get your N64? Well, Ryan, we're going to get into that pretty soon when we talk about our earliest memories playing the console. But don't prematurely get us there. No, yeah, I'm just thinking, like, 97, that would make me five years old. I don't think I was coherent at five. Yeah. There's no way I could, like, diddy some Kong racing. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I and we'll no, we're just gonna get into this later. Okay. Right now, do you mind if we get into some interesting facts about the N sixty four? Go ahead. All right. So something that is always Invert fun. My derailment. Oh, we'll get there though. We'll okay. come back to the okay. derailment. All right. Don't worry about that. I'm getting antsy. Interesting facts about the console. Some really fun things I want to talk about here. But of course, the one interesting tidbit that you always want to hear about for any console uh, generation is just the number of units sold. So what I did here is I compiled all Nintendo home consoles, the number of units sold, and uh, well, it, there were a few years that were uh, not looking very good for Nintendo, let's just say that. Yeah. So the Nintendo sure. Entertainment System, I don't have the years these systems launched because this is a mediocre podcast. If it was a good one, I would have included that. Yeah, and we'd have graphics. Actually, we have graphics. We're doing all right. We are. We do have a nice logo, courtesy of my buddy Mark from college. The Nintendo Entertainment System, Ryan sold 61.91 million units worldwide. Wow. Not bad. Following that, the Super Nintendo had 49.10 million units worldwide. Pretty significant dip, but you have to take into account here that you're competing with the Sega Genesis at this time, Mm -hmm. so that was eating into some of Nintendo's sales. Then we get into, Ryan, the Nintendo 64. I do know the release of that year. It was September 26th for North American... Uh, consumers. Consumers, and it was, I think, June 23rd for the Japanese market. Wow. 7.53 billion units sold worldwide. <laughs> Holy shit. Everyone has, like, <laughs> seven or eight N64s. Every person on the planet in the year 2019 had a Nintendo 64 console. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm kidding. It was actually 32.93 million units sold. That's less than I thought it would be. So, yeah. I think like the PS4 has 100. Yeah, right? so... Well, it gets even worse moving forward to here, Ryan, before it gets better. Let's see so, how the Wii U did. <laughs> oh, well, that's just garbage. That console didn't even exist. The GameCube had 21.74 million units sold worldwide. That's one of the best. That's more than 11 mil- million units less than the N64. Yeah. Little, little scary there. Um, then the Wii was Nintendo's saving grace moving forward. I think they're still riding on the revenue of that console. Yeah. 101.63 million units sold. Of course, take into account here, this was the same time frame that the Nintendo DS was selling mm-hmm. hotcakes. And I don't have the numbers here, but I think that was like 149 million units sold or something stupid yeah, like that. Their handhelds did really well. Yes, they did. And then the laughing stock of the, the video game industry the Wii U, with a mere 13.56 million units sold. Well, I think the CEO took a pay cut during those year, like rough years, the Wii U era, yeah. so he didn't have to lay off people. It's a very Japanese thing to do. Rest in peace, Iwata. 
Yeah. It was Iwata, I think. Let me double check that. I think Iwata was the... Because I just don't want the Nintendo fanboys to kill me. Oh, I'm sure you messed something up. It sounded pretty correct. You said it with confidence. Yeah, Satoru Iwata. I'm sorry. But I think he did take a pay cut. He passed away in 2015. Rest his Nintendo soul. Ryan, there's some other interesting <laughs> tidbits here that I want to get into. I'm just picturing his soul in the shape of like an N64 floating away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, probably. That's how it went. I think so. All right, Ryan. So some other things here that I have uh, written down. Some people probably know these, but I think they're still worth mentioning here. Not only was the N64 the first console to feature 3D graphics, it was also the first console to have an analog stick Ooh. on its controller. Give me some of that stick. Now, anyone that had an N64 growing up knows that having the analog stick was both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, the lack of a second one always was difficult to go back to. Well, that, but even more so, a curse because of games like Mario Party, where many kids across the United States, and I would say across the globe, destroyed their fucking palms because of games like Mario Party and the minigames. Yeah. So much so that Nintendo actually started selling Mario Party with gloves. They also had a 1-800 hotline number where parents could call if their kids had severe blisters, and Nintendo would actually ship gloves out to the houses of those parents. <laughs> That's awesome. Because it had you... You know, jiggling the the yeah. analog stick so fast to either wind something up or whatever the minigame had you doing. And it caused people to have, like, blisters and in many cases, like, destroy the palms of their hands. That's awesome. <laughs> so, you only get stuff like that with Nintendo. Yeah, you get video games and textiles. You just make some gloves and ship them out to people. Exactly. Another weird thing that... Um, Nintendo's going to take for the world someday. <laughs> they will. Them or Disney. Or maybe together. Yeah. Maybe Disney will buy Nintendo. That would seriously be the death of Nintendo. That yeah, that would, that would be, be gross. I would, I don't want that kind of crap going on. No. Game prices, Ryan, were actually substantially higher on the N sixty four. Really. And really, that entire generation of late nineties, early two thousands, before we reached the Xbox, GameCube, PS two era. <laughs> so m most games averaged around seventy five dollars a piece. Okay. And when the system when the when the system first came out, and then they also weren't very consistent. So now nowadays the structures thirty dollars, forty, and sixty. Typically sixty is a ceiling, and then with any kind of you're in, you're incentivized to pay seventy, eighty, or ninety or two hundred to have a bunch of either collectible memorabilia that you know releases alongside the game or DLC content that you can buy ahead of the time ahead of time. Yeah. But, you know, some games were $60, and then others, like Killer Instinct Gold, released for $79.99. Okay. Now, there's something to be said for that, though, because even if I'm paying $75, and I get all content in the game, because it's not like there were patches on the N64. Yeah, there weren't microtransactions. There wasn't an online marketplace where two months later there was DLC that were, they were going to, you know, say, hey, this is $30. You couldn't buy horse armor. Yeah, there was none of that going on. So, back then, if I'm paying $75 and I'm getting the entire game day one, and there's no buggy fixes that they have to patch in later, I'm kind of okay with that. I'm completely fine with that. Now it's like, I mean, even Jedi Fallen Order, which was an awesome game, is buggy as hell. It is. It's like Uncharted meets Sekiro meets Glitches. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's. And like most of the games nowadays are, I mean, even Pokemon's somewhat like 
an unfinished release that I wish I would happily pay 70 bucks to have a full game and none of this like company bullshit on the side. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Some interesting facts about Goldeneye Ryan. Okay. Of course, it came out in 1997. Grant Kirkhope composed the soundtrack to this amazing first-person shooter based off of the movie of the same name starring Pierce Brosnan. Shigeru Miyamoto, who oversaw development of this game, at one point during development of this game suggested after main missions were over, players should be able to, quote, shake hands with all of your enemies in the hospital after you shot them, presumably almost to death. (laughs) According to an interview with the game's director, Martin Hollis. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Because he was so concerned about violence in the game, and given Nintendo is very much a family-friendly developer and, you know, console. Sorry I shot you in the head with a sniper rifle. Nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) Here's another interesting tidbit. I kind of copied this directly from the site that I found it from, so bear with me here. A second programmer for the game, Steve Ellis, was hired by Hollis, of course, the director, Six months um, after some events that happened that I didn't take into account and when, you know, writing my notes. Ellie's assisted the development team in many areas. Shit happened. Now we're here. <laughs> exactly. Ellie's assisted the development team in many areas and programmed the cheat options. He was mostly responsible for implement- implementing the game's multiplayer mode, which, get this, was added to the game roughly six months before it was released. Wow. According to one of the game's directors... Ellie's, quote, sat in a room with all of the code written for a single-player game and used it um, to reprogram the game into a multiplayer game. The team spent numerous late late evenings playtesting it before it was finished. The multiplayer levels are based on single-player missions, and some of them do not support four players because they were never initially designed to handle multiplayer action, and that's speaking to the code of the game. Adrian Smith, the game's third and last artist who had already worked on some games at Rare, was in charge of producing visual effects such as muzzle flashes and explosions for the multiplayer, he mentioned the 1995 film Heat as an influence. Mm. So, Interesting. Really interesting stuff. I mean, I don't think GoldenEye would be held to the same pedigree as it is today if it wasn't for that multiplayer. No, that's what gave it its longevity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why people still play it today. Now, granted, I still think playing through the single-player missions are still a hell of a time. Yeah. Nothing... Well, I'll never forget playing the facility level... When you come through the vent air vents and you see the guy taking his shit on the toilet and you can just pop him in the head with your silence PP7. Yeah, I won't forget that either. <laughs> I'm sure you won't, Ryan. <laughs> Watching that on YouTube after this. <laughs> after the fact. No, man, I mean, being the kid back in the late 90s playing that game was yes. just mesmerizing. And I love shaking his hand after I shot him while I was taking his shit. Exactly. Yeah. Ryan, by March 1997, the PlayStation was already selling for er, $149.99. So to remain competitive, Nintendo also dropped the price of the N64 North America from $250 to $150. Now, people that are familiar with Nintendo launch games or launch systems should know that the 3DS had a similar similar instance of this where I believed it launched for $250 with some crappy launch titles. And not four or five months later, they dropped it to like one sixty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. And of course, people that adopted the system day one were really pissed. So then they released twenty digital ambassador games: ten for the Nintendo, ten for the Game Boy Advance that you could download on your console. Yeah. Well, they did the same for N sixty four. So 
A price cut so so soon after the system's launch left a bad taste in consumers' or early adopters' mouths, so they felt cheated by the lower price point. And because of this, Nintendo either shipped off a copy of Star Fox 64 or Mario Kart 64 to hopefully, you know, yeah, settle the fires. Yeah, hmm Interesting. That's definitely a Nintendo thing to do. It is. Do you see Sony doing that? I don't know if I see Sony doing that. No, I mean, I don't really know what happened with the PS3 and how quickly they slashed the price and it's, you know, $900,000, you know. It was like $600 at launch. It was like 699 for the 60 gigabyte model. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I think I got mine when it was like 400 or 350 I never had a PS3 until someone gave one to me for free. See, we can't all be lucky. No. <laughs> the people send us random stuff. That was back in the heyday of your YouTube career it was yeah it was all right you want to talk about some of the best-selling games for the console yeah sure i only have a few here super mario 64 surprise surprise remains the console's best-selling game at 11.89 million copies mario kart 64 is the next best at 9.87 million i think that's a typo i think it should read diddy kong racing is actually the next best-selling and then golden eye full words GoldenEye came in at third with 8.09 million copies. Wow. So pretty surprising for a licensed game like that to ring in at number three. I mean, you got to think that half the consoles had Mario 64 if they sold, like, was it 20 or was it 30 for N64? Uh, 32.93 million. So, so one third of all consoles had Mario 64. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of curious. Well, actually, I never finished out my units sold for consoles. I never talked about the Switch. Oh, okay. So let's circle back on that real quick. 41.67 million units sold. So that's just under the Super Nintendo. And that's, of course, more than both the GameCube and, of course, the Wii U Well, and the N64, I guess, all three of those consoles. But, Ryan, that stat was taken September 30th, 2019, before Pokemon Sword and Shield. So you have to believe, following, I would say... New Year's and some of the early, you know, sales that'll happen in January. Let's just fast forward a little bit. After Animal Crossing and Pokemon, I have to believe Nintendo's going to be sitting at like 54 million units sold. Yeah, probably easily. If it's at 41 right now. Because this is the fastest selling Pokemon game. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing that would be maybe six plus million units already in the last two weeks. Easy, especially Easy. with Black Friday and all the holiday shopping going on. And I'd have to imagine, too, that Animal Crossing for the Switch, New Horizons, I think is what it's called, or something, something like that. Something like that is, Horizon Zero Dawn. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's just dino- mechanical dinosaurs walking around. The red snappers are like spray-painted mechanical fish that kill you. Yeah. Like eat all the little like bear people. <laughs> well, I have to imagine that that Animal Crossing will also be the, the fastest-selling Animal Crossing game. I'm hoping that is extremely polished. Mm-hmm. Like we gave them another six months without murdering someone. Yeah. Right. Because they pushed it back, and they hopefully that's extremely polished and it's the best. I'm so excited for the game. <laughs> I'm sure it's it's done you know for good reason. I yeah. mean, they would not. Nintendo never delays a game unless it's it's meant to really polish the game and bring it home. Yeah, like most of the launch of the N64. And honestly, I think. Pokemon probably could have taken another three to six months of development I think time. they wanted to launch it before Christmas yeah. is the problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get into more Pokemon discussion next week because Ryan has some facts he wants to circle back on that he talked about earlier in the show. And then 
honestly, as I've played more, I've noticed more of the unpolishedness yeah. of the game. So. And I just beat it this morning. Oh, did you? Yeah, Good I have you. one last battle. So I beat the champion, and then some stuff after that, and now I'm at the final battle. Well, I'm pretty close to that. I think I just got my starter Pokemon and left the first city, so... Um, nice. Yeah. yeah, you're getting there. Getting close. <laughs> yeah. Inching my way to the finish line. Yeah, you're there. a future champion. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, that's all I have for interesting facts. The history of the console leading up to launch. Hopefully, listeners found that a little interesting. You know, found something out that you didn't know before. Because, Ryan, what do we always say about Otaku Brothers? We're a mediocre podcast. Well, that, but it's also an educational program. That too. That works. I like that one better. <laughs> it makes it sound better. <laughs> What do you say we talk about some of our earliest memories with a Nintendo 64? I know you don't remember much of your childhood because you got hit over the head and were, you know, your parents dropped you too many times. Yeah, the concussion and like getting kicked in the face didn't really help. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> Did not expect you to go there? No. I thought we weren't going to go to there like ever. You know, those oh, okay. are some things that we just don't Well, I was beaten. Everyone has skeletons in the closet, Ryan. There's just some that you know no, you shouldn't get, let well, out. I got my concussion wrestling, just for context, so I don't sound like I was abused. And during swimming, I was swimming behind this chick, and she breaststroke kicked me in the face. Wow! And I have a chipped tooth. Do you really? Yeah. Which one? It's one of my uh, like right here, my right canine. Interesting. It's actually chipped off. <laughs> Did you get like a fake replacement? No, but, like, the girlfriend at the time, she was in the stands with, like, one of my other, or two of my other friends, and I get out of the pool and, like, wave, and I was like, hey, and there's just blood spewing <laughs> out of my face, just, I'm just covered in blood, and I'm just like, she's like, oh, <laughs> and I was like, oh. She broke up with me after that. Yeah. We were over shortly after, so. Cool. Cool. You want me to kick it off here? Sure, let's do Nintendo. <laughs> okay. So while I can vividly, and I've, I think I've, t- I've talked about this in a prior episode, I can vividly remember getting my teal Game Boy Color and my copy of Pokemon Red back in the day. What's interesting here, though, and there's a lot of, my memory is a little clouded because my parents got divorced when I was five, but I distinctly remember getting both the Game Boy Color and Nintendo 64 when they were still married at the house I grew up in. Which is I remember being in the womb, said Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird to think about, both being in the womb, but just trying to recollect... Pre-womb, getting, I was out of time and space. Well, getting the Game Boy Color and the N64, I would have had to have been like four and five, respectively, to get these two consoles. What year were you born? 93. 93, okay. So if the N64 came out in 96... I, I, I know I wasn't three years old. I had to have at least been four because of the games that I got. So let's just dig right into here. Here, let's play a game where you're fighting a giant, like, tortoise with horns and shit. That would be terrifying for a three-year-old. Your what? only other option was, like, that flying game. Pilot Wings. Yeah. Yeah, so when I did get my N64, I remember opening up a few different games that my parents told me at the time were from my grandparents. Okay. My parents are... Santa Claus got me the console. My grandparents got me some of the other games. Like Doom 64. <laughs> exactly. Carmageddon. Yeah. No, so my my parents, of course, got me the console. We had a black controller and a smoke gray controller that came with the system. Okay. We got the original box. I remember, I remember distinctly the box being put up in the cross space in our basement. Mm-hmm. But my grandparents got, my sister and I, um, Diddy Kong Racing. 
Okay, so it was 97. 97, and Super Mario 64, which makes sense because if Diddy Kong Racing came out in November, it would make sense that that would be one of the games they got us for Christmas in December. Okay, so you're four. Yeah. So I was probably four when I got my 64, and then maybe five when I got my Game Boy Color. Okay. Interesting. Which I guess makes sense. That's two solid Christmases in a row. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Parents coming in strong. But that's all I can remember. I remember sitting. You mean Santa coming in strong. That's right. I remember sitting in the living room space, ripping, ripping, opening stuff. And my my dad always had the video camera taping my sister and I opening stuff while my mom was kind of sitting with us, passing us gifts and stuff like that. If I can find the footage, because my dad has all of those VHS tapes in the basement somewhere. Yeah. I'd love to convert those to DVD and be able to go back and watch some of that footage of me opening up my Game Boy Color, opening up my Nintendo 64 back in the day, because I know he recorded all of it. Yeah. So, you know, the scene is set. It's Christmas morning. My sister and I are sitting there, but all I can recollect in my little brain of, you know, 26-year-old brain here is opening up Diddy Kong Racing and Super Mario 64, and my sister and I just going nuts. Oh, I'm sure. Just like the kid we had at the beginning. <laughs> yes, exactly. You, you heard N64 Kid to kick off the show. But that's all I can That's all I can remember. I didn't have the console, and then I did have the console. I would assume it was like a Christmas that I got it. Okay. I don't remember that early. You don't? Just You just can't remember? I don't. I can't remember that Do early. you remember like your early adolescence opening Christmas gifts? I remember... Crying at a GameCube when I got the GameCube. Okay. But you would have been like 10, 10, 12 years old at that point. Yeah. Before that, I don't really remember much. It's very spotty. Okay. Yeah. But you have... I have memories. They're just blurred. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, It really depends on what. So, like... Yeah, I remember a lot of... Like, I remember the last time I believed in Santa, I was doing some, like strategic analysis to figure out like if he was true Mm -hmm. and i did some really specific shit and i didn't get it and i was like he's fake (laughs) (laughs) because of x y and z yeah because of x y and z like everything else that i put was reasonably possible to get at like a store Mm -hmm. and what i put was very specific pokemon cards that santa should be able to fucking make in a store yeah and he didn't so what if his elves were out sick and they just couldn't produce the cards you wanted so we had to go to walmart and get 12 freaking months it to build that shit like they can't all be on medical leave yeah it's true so i was like this is probably not true but what if santa's best elf herbie became a dentist what if he was fully loaded (laughs) (laughs) with nachos and could be in that day hmm was that um, a Herbie's Lindsay, Fully Loaded reference yeah, um, Lindsay with Lohan. Lindsay Lohan? Yeah. She's gone downhill. She has. She was dancing on some cruise ship. She created her own dance. It was an internet sensation for like three weeks. Really? Was she cocaine-filled? Probably. <laughs> that was a really weird way of saying it. Anyway. So Nintendo. let's get back to Nintendo 64. Some of our favorite memories with the console. And all of my memories here, I would say, stem from something that I think so many people can relate to growing up in the late 80s and the 90s. And that's that, you know, just the utter amazement of going to a friend's house or a cousin or a relative and walking downstairs and they're just telling you like, oh, I need to show you something. Yeah. Or, the, you know, the mom or, you know, aunt opens up the door and say, hey, the kids are downstairs playing. Go see what they're doing. You walk downstairs and they have this 30, you know, two inch CRT TV with this Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo or N64 console hooked up to the television 
and they're playing this game that you're just like, what the heck is that? Yeah. And you get the controller in your hands, and it's just like this euphoric, unforgettable experience of playing a video game for the first time. Whether it was the Ocarina of Time, or Super Smash Brothers, or Super Mario 64, or Sonic, just kidding, or Super <laughs> Mario World, something like that, where your head just exploded in amazement. Yeah. I think mine was probably, we had, um, we were babysitting this kid, and the little brother, um, he had brought over Ocarina of Time for the first time. Oh, really? And everything before that was like side-scrolling Mario, or like red version so yeah. it's really different and going on an adventure in like this 3d world which i never actually played it myself it was just him exploring it because he knew that what the hell he was doing mm-hmm. and i didn't um it was just so crazy to see what the, like all that change that had gone into this 3d world mm-hmm. well yeah i mean that's not unlike my experience seeing ocarina of time for the first time going to my uncle's house yeah and watching him play and, you know, shift between young Link and adult Link and going through this adventure, going through these different dungeons and... Riding a Pono. Was yeah, really through cool. the open Hyrule 3D field was, was amazing to me. And that's, that's one of my distinct memories, that and watching him play Star Wars Shadows of the Empire with Dash Rendar. Dash Rendar. But watching him play these, these games when previously I was only introduced to my Game Boy Color playing Pokemon, I had no concept of, of these 3D environments and even... Playing my dad's NES up in our guest bedroom where we had a waterbed, which was sick. It was amazing. But I played. I do like waterbeds, but I feel like that's. They've got a bad connotation to them. Like, I'm never going to get a waterbed because I feel like I'll poke a hole in it. Well, the liability of it, yeah. you know, leaking. Just flood an entire apartment. Yeah, but going up to the guest bedroom and sitting on the waterbed and playing Tecmo Super Bowl or Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt, these games, or Golf, like the original NES Golf. These super simplistic, almost tech demo games, it was a complete pipe dream to ever even conceptualize in my childhood brain that we could walk into these open 3D environments and play games like Mario 64 or Ocarina of Time. Yeah, because previously we had really only played at my grandma's place, like the Mario games, the side scrollers, mm-hmm. the one with like the Tanuki suit. Is that the tail? That's thing? Super Mario Brothers 3. Yep. Yeah, so we played that one and then we played the original one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also played Duck Hunt, but Lauren freaking cheated on that one. So, yeah, it was mostly just Mario side-scrolling. So seeing any 3D environment, we also got N- or Mario 64, which is one of the best games. And the speedruns for that are amazing. Yeah. They're nuts. Like, they make most other speedruns look... I just don't know how they do them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. Have you watched a speedrun event or uh, Mario 64? No, I have not. But I know people can beat those games in like 15, 14, 13 minutes, whatever it is. It's stupid. Yeah, it's, that one's worth watching because it's taking like a classic game that to get some of these red coins, you're just like, okay, let's just like casually smooth around a level. And these guys are like flipping and like everything's super precise. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. Yeah, it would just stress me out, honestly. Well, some of my other memories, and we can kind of go back and forth here if you want to. Uh, was the first time here, the first one I have, is seeing Goldeneye for the first time. Okay. So I went over to my friend's, friend Mason's house. We had a sleepover, and oddly enough, we actually didn't really play the N64 that night. We watched George of the Jungle with Brendan Fraser. Oh, nice. Which we, He's gone downhill. Yeah, very much so. But we fast-forwarded and rewinded the part where... He had two shirtless. <laughs> no, when they were in the jungle... And what is her name? Ursula or whatever. She goes off with George, and her boyfriend's trying to find him. 
or find her, he falls into a pile of poop and he's, he finds her scrunchie. And so he gets up and says, Ursula, I found your scrunchie. For whatever reason, our seven, six-year-old selves just found that hilarious. And just fast forward and back to that one scene like 30 times and rewatched it and just laughed hysterically the whole night. Oh, it's going to be weird when you guys are parents and like having your kids find something extremely hilarious that isn't really that funny and just having them lose their shit. It's going to be, yeah. You're going to be like, ugh. We're not going to be laughing at what they're laughing at. We're just going to be laughing at them losing their minds. Yeah, it was like, was I really like this one day? Yeah, apparently we were. Something like that, you know, caused us to be as hysterical as we were. I think I, the time I remember losing my shit, like laughing at something, that going back was not super funny. It was a squirrel singing about gonads and strife. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was on funnyjunk.com. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we were supposed to be doing... It was uh, like a seventh grade history project on like India, I think. Yeah, I think it was India. And I went over to Michael's house and we were just... We were on Funny Junk being super productive and we found this like dancing squirrel singing about gonads and strife like just war and then nads and it was a very looking back at it i'm like what the hell is wrong with me because we cried full-on cried laughing yeah you have those moments growing up and i mean even still like when we were playing jedi fallen order something as stupid as a uh, a <laughs> bug in a around. game you know we just yeah. found it as funny as it was but oh, it was so good. the good things uh the fun memories you have growing up but getting back to golden eye i went to my buddy's mason house mason's house we had a sleepover watching george the jungle and the following morning, he we woke up, and his mom was making these, and I don't know how I remember this, she was making those Jimmy Dean's sausage and fake egg biscuit sandwiches. Ooh. So you, like, throw it in the microwave and nuke it for, like, 45 seconds, and then it tastes delicious. Well, I was just crushing some of those, but in the meantime, he said, Rusty, I have this new N64 game that you have to check out. And I was like, all right, what, what, you know, what is it? We went to the, the family room. And he put in Goldeneye on the N64. And we're playing through a number of missions, the facility, the train level. And I was, again, just completely mesmerized. But the funny thing about Goldeneye was is that it was rated T for teen. Yeah. And he told me that. And his mom said, Rusty, don't tell your dad that you're playing this game because it is rated T for teen. Well, of course, my dad comes over at like 10, 11 o'clock to pick me up. And I asked Mason, hey, can I borrow this game from you? And he said, yeah, absolutely. I've already beaten it, whatever. Yeah. And of course, then the next thing was convincing my dad to let me borrow and play this GoldenEye game that was rated yeah. T for Teen. My, didn't, my dad didn't give two shits about ratings and games. <laughs> yeah, my dad raised me in such a way that he's like, listen, I know you're not going to hijack cars and beat old ladies like you were in Grand Theft Auto 3. Nice. So he allowed me to More get... More trust or, than I have of you. <laughs> he allowed me to borrow GoldenEye. And that's when I fell in love with it. I took it home, played through the story. Of course, I had my buddies over and we played through the multiplayer mode for hours and hours until I eventually got my own copy, which I can't really remember when that exactly was. But just that memory of playing Goldeneye for the first time, nothing compares to those types of moments, you know, seeing those types of games. I mean, you play games like now in Uncharted 4 and Bloodborne and you have those moments of you just complete awe. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't think anything will really compare to those earlier memories I have. Ryan? Rick's calling me about Pokemon. 
those early memories I have playing games on the PS1 and in the N64, just that childlike awe. Yeah. Will never be replicated. I think the earliest, well, one we played that at sleepovers for sure. I think that awe came with the first time playing Halo split screen. Because mm. I don't really remember too much of the split screen with um, Goldeneye. But I do remember going through like the to- the, the, the same, facility level. Yeah, the same level that we played with the toilets and shit. Facility. Yeah, facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember playing that, but yeah, definitely a game changer when it comes to split screen. Yeah. And how sleepovers are structured. <laughs> That's right. Well, speaking of, so my buddy Scott, I've been introduced to so many games as a result of him and his older brothers. I would have potentially never seen Kingdom Hearts if it wasn't for him and his brothers. Well, this happened twice. So two games here. Mega Man 64 and Bomberman 64. Okay. Two excellent games that if you haven't played, Mega Man 64 is getting very pricey these days. Of course, it's also Mega Man Legends on the PS1. It's different than your typical side-scrolling Mega Man games. It's more of a 3D action game than it is a 2D side-scrolling platformer action game. Okay. And Bomberman 64 is more of a three-dimensional adventure game than its traditional arcade Bomberman counterparts. Interesting. So really, really fun games. Bomberman 64 in particular has some of my favorite music on the N64. Really chill music. So just look up some Bomberman oh, 64 music on the uh, the YouTubes. But anyways, so he rented both of these games. And of course, back in the day at Blockbuster, you had you could pay for extended periods of time, but it was like three to five days you yeah. typically got to rent a game. Well, both times he and I were nearing the end of both of these games. And on like, I don't know, the third or fourth day of having it rented, his mom had errands to run. So she took the games from him, unknowingly to him because he went to school. And every day I drop my backpack off, have a quick snack, maybe some peanut butter and jelly, mm-hmm. granola bar or something like that. Scoot over to Scott's house because it was in running distance. And I remember coming over to his house one day, specifically for Mega Man 64, ring the doorbell. He comes to the door, opens it up, and he's all teary-eyed. And Scott never cried. He was kind of like Lauren when she was a kid. She just, unless you like beat her in the face, like she just never cried. (laughs) Well, and so Scott was the same way. He just didn't cry. He wasn't very emotional. And so he opens the door and he's all teary-eyed. And I'm like, Scott, what's going on? He's like, my mom took Mega Man back today when she was grocery (laughs) shopping. I was like, no. So we never went back and beat it. I still to this day have not played Mega Man 64 since that, that, that Is night. Is the progress tied to your the cartridge itself? No, you saved your memory card. Okay. So like theoretically so he speaking, could he could have rented it again or gotten That's it. Sad. But as a child, that was like one of the worst things is if one of your parents prematurely took the game back before its due date. Yeah, that's horrifying. That's so sad. <laughs> yeah. So to this date, I've yet to beat Mega like Man 64 shame. or Bomberman 64. Another quick one with, uh, that's tied to Scott, and then I'll shoot it back to you. Are those on your like console? Or didn't you get like an N64, like all those old games? No, I got a Super Nintendo Classic. Ah, okay. And so that Never has mind. you know a bunch of games downloaded on you the You think they'd come the up mini- with a 64 version, one of those? There was a lot of rumors for a while there that they did have an N64 Mini. Mm-hmm. But nothing surfaced to indicate that, that it's a real thing. Okay. I hope it is. And if it's tough for me because now that I have, excuse me, the HD adapter to be able to play N64 games on my HDTV, and it looks pretty good yeah. uh, rendered on the, the big screen. 
I don't know if I'd have a need to buy the N64 Mini just yeah. because they're only going to have the heavy hitter titles on there. And I already have all of those. That's true. And it's it's a cool, it's a nice piece to have. But with the amount of crap that I already have related to video games and the amount of shelf space that I'm trying to free up so that Lauren and I don't have such a cluttered apartment, yeah. it'd be a tough sell for me to buy an N64 Mini for 100 bucks that has GoldenEye, you know, uh, Super Mario 64, Mario Kart, Yoshi's Story, Paper Mario, just all the games that everyone would expect to be on that console. Yeah. I don't know if I could, sho- you know, shovel that money over for that. Yeah, Lauren would probably kill you. Probably. But the other game, and I've told this story on the podcast before, but for any new listeners that are here for the N64 retrospective specifically, I remember going over to Scott's house one day after school again, and he, of course, opened up the door, and the first thing he said is, you're not going to believe what I got today. And I said, what? He's like, I got an N64 game, but it's a blue cartridge. And I, my mind was just blown. I'm like, what? To this date, I've only seen gray cartridges. What are you talking about? And he's like, and it's a skateboarding game. And that, to me, was like an immediate buzzkill. It was like, yeah. what? Skateboarding? Because I wasn't really into that era of like backwards hat, you know, listening to The Offspring and skateboarding. It was more like, uh, no, I want to play my Diddy Kong racing type games. But he said, no, hear me out. Let's go downstairs and play this. And of course, you, you you start playing on the warehouse. Goldfinger's Superman starts playing, and I'm immediately sucked in. And I love the game that is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And I of think course, coming out with a new one. No, they wouldn't. They I already came they out. With, they already came out with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Five. Well, I think they're actually coming out with another. I so I was watching the games coming out in 2020 and like rumors and stuff. And I'm pretty sure Tony Hawk is going to come out with another one. You could be crossing that over with another skateboarding game that it looks to be more realistic than its arcadey Tony Hawk counterpart. And Where you're like flipping in midair for like 30 minutes. Yeah, like it makes no sense. Gravity is non-existent in the game of Tony Hawk. I'm I, pretty sure another skater game's coming out, at the very least. Okay. Unless I dreamt it, which is very possible. I had a lot of weird dreams last night. I like suck someone towards me and like stab them. Like I had the ability from um, Force... Or Jedi Fallen Order. Wow. Well, because I became lucid, so I knew that I was in a dream, and I was just like, oh shit, I could use the Force. You know a dream I've been having a lot lately that really freaks me out? What? And it wasn't a night terror last night, but, and I'm surprised because Scooby didn't come up and cuddle me last night after I was having these he bad dreams. He abandoned you. <laughs> but um, I have this dream where, and the scenario that I'm, I'm put in is very, so like last night I was at this, um, this fancy dinner with coworkers, mm-hmm. and it was at this giant like four-story hotel it was multi-level where we were going to different floors for different reasons and different meals okay well i was in a tuxedo sitting at this table talking to this group of my coworkers, and my bottom teeth just started shattering and falling out <laughs> what do you want to acid <laughs> well and then i was trying to collect all of them with my hand so i was holding all of my teeth and I started running away because I was insecure about it. Well, then <laughs> yeah. the, my top teeth started doing the same thing and shattering and falling out to the point where I had no teeth. And then I woke up. It's, wow. a, it's a recurring dream I have. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Because I am insecure about my teeth. Yeah. I feel like my dental hygiene is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, my teeth are in relatively good shape. Yeah, Lauren has far worse teeth. She does. Gum-wise. But I don't know. It's just a weird dream that I have. But That's interesting. 
I was in a room with like a family whose like relative died and he was like a million multi-millionaire and they're all like one person was like I have a thousand bucks and like the other guy was talking about he's a millionaire and they were trying to figure out who's gonna like get the person's money and I wasn't a part of this family so I had no idea how I was there so I like climbed through a window and like the excess relatives who were also part of this like give me the money mm-hmm. were there and then one of them gave me like a half bottle of like Callan 18 and then I ran off into a pool. Well that's um that's certainly a dream, Ryan. It was a dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get back on track here with the N64. I only have one or two more memories here. Do you have any more memories? Well, it was really my last one or main one was just playing Super Smash at Alexander I almost said his last name. Alexander's house. Um The original on the N64. The original. Okay. Yeah, with like eight or ten characters or whatever. The original Super Bros. The original. But I remember he was Ness, and like if you could master Ness, you were just like unbeatable. Exactly, like it was such a big learning curve. I was obviously like a Kirby or a Pikachu, but Ness was amazing back mm-hmm. in the original game. Yeah, I mean his up B was rough. Like it's still to this day pretty rough to play around with. But yeah, on the original with that minimal amount of characters, obviously playing on the Fox spaceship. Yeah. Um, yeah. I lost a lot. The funny thing about Super Smash Brothers is, um, well, one, how Nintendo was able to accomplish that and the success that series has had over the you know the years is unbelievable, and also how no other you know developer has been able to even come close to mimicking that. No, not even the, like the Sony PlayStation Battle All- Royale. Yeah, like All Stars or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That's not even close. I think if Sony did. Another game like that, given the number of characters that have come since that game... I think they could definitely do it. They could probably do a lot... They could do it justice a lot better than they did the first. Like God of War... Aloy. Aloy would be awesome. I'd be an Aloy main. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even the Bloodborne Hunter. Oh, yeah. Sekiro. I mean, they could just have a From Software fighting game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just using Smo's hammer. I don't think I uh, played Super Smash Brothers until it may have been my uncle's house, the same one that I played um, Goldeneye and Shadows of the Empire. But it was my buddy Max. He also had a number of games that I didn't play for the first time until it was his house. Three specifically that come to mind are Super Smash Brothers, Rayman 2 The Great Escape, and then Toy Story 2, oddly enough. Yes, that game was awesome. Yeah, it was a 3D platformer. Really, really good times there. We played that on the computer. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Very cool. The other memory I have two here, one is tied to Beetle Adventure Racing. Oh. Which is such a weird racing game that has no re- or has no right being as fun as it is. Yeah. But um, my dad's second wife's daughter, so my stepdaughter at the time, had a friend of hers. Stepsister? Yeah, my stepsister. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your stepdaughter? Yeah, my dad's... <laughs> sorry, it's a lot of family lineage going on here. No, so my stepsister at the time had a friend come down, and she brought a couple of N64 games. Many of them were the ones that we already had, but one of them I didn't, and I had never played, was Beetle Adventure Racing, which, if you've never heard of it, is a racing game with um, Beatles. VW Beetles. Yeah. And these gargantuan levels with so many shortcuts that actually aren't shortcuts... They don't actually like shave off time on your run. They actually make it longer. Yeah. Well, so you could be on this path, and to your right is this little barn house. Yeah. You, if you want to, you can crash through the doors and then exit out the the back half of the doors. Yeah. 
But it's not like it goes to a separate part of the path. It goes on the same path the other person would have been on. You actually have to stop by Starbucks, get a coffee, wait in line, and then get back on the path. Yeah, like, talk about a shortcut. Yeah, it saves an increase of 60 seconds. But we must have played that game for the entire day. It was just a really fun racing game that, again, wasn't your typical kart racer. It wasn't like your Ridge Racers or your Cruising USAs. It was just a wholly original title that you race with VW Beatles. Yeah. Such a wacky game, but a lot of fun. The other one is also tied to memories with Scott. It was a game that he rented. We may have actually rented it together for a sleepover, and we may have actually beaten it in one night. I think looking back, we actually did. Oh, well. And that's Scooby-Doo Classic Creep Capers. So you play as Shaggy and Scooby, solving a number of mysteries from the original series, and it's kind of like a 3D isometric type game. Okay. And it's actually the first three mysteries that you play through are beat by or beat-for-beat beat retellings of stories from the original uh, TV series. That's awesome. And you play against similar, uh, some of the iconic villains like the Witch Doctor or the Black Knight and things like that. Mm-hmm. The controls of this game are completely screwed. Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's like if you push forward, you're going backwards. If you pers- press left, you're going right. Not, oh. not exactly like that, but it's really tough to control the characters it was back then, so I can imagine now it's really tough to go back to. But just to have a Scooby-Doo game on the N64 for that time period, for, for uh, Scott and I, was a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Was Is it like crappily inverted? Kind of no, it's not, it's, that's not its inverted controls. It just controlled like ass. Oh, okay. Yeah. The ass controls. The I ass controls. <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't, wasn't very good. But um, yeah, those are really the only memories I have tied to the N64 that I can think of. I'm sure there's many, many more. I mean, even when you said Super Smash Brothers, my memories playing games with my buddy Max, you know, yeah. surface. So there's so much tied to this this console. And in many ways, I would say it's, it's my favorite console of all time. It's tough for me to say that just because as much as I'm still finding and exploring the N64 library today and finding new games, hidden gems, if you will, there's still so much more on the PS2 that I haven't discovered yet. Yeah. Given the library is like 10 times as large as the N64, I think there was only 400-odd N64 games in its entire run. How does or how does the PS2 compare to the PS4 library-wise? Is PS2 still In terms work? of quality or uh, quantity? Both. Numbers-wise, I don't know. I think on an earlier episode, we, we checked out to see how many um, PS2 games there were in totality. I would say PS2 just has a ton of really, really good games. Okay. The PS4, I would say, is library of really, really, really good games is a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. But the games that I would identify as the greatest on the console, I don't want to stand say they stand out more so than the PS2 titles that I love. But I mean, when you look at titles like Bloodborne, Bloodborne Dark Souls 3, Pretty much everything from, from software is put out to date. And then Uncharted 4, Horizon, God of War 4. There's okay. so many things that you can point to that it's just like, man, I don't know if there's anything on the PS2 that can rival some of these games. What's PS2's best game? I mean, that's a very subjective question. Uh, I mean, when Kingdom I, Hearts for you? Yeah, when I, when I look back at that, it's, it's Kingdom Hearts. But then other people would point to games that revolutionized the 3D open world, like your games like Grand Theft Auto 3. People mm-hmm. point to Shadow of the Colossus. The original God of War games that started that series. 
There, okay. Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy Twelve. There's so many games that grace that console that, again, it's it's an endless argument of subjectivity. I don't think you can objectively say one console's better than the other. It's purely personal choice. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I think it's such a nostalgic-driven uh, question that I would say the PS2 is far and above the PS4 just because I look back on that console and Kingdom Hearts is just glowing red, right? Yeah. And that was my childhood. So, you know, 15, 20 years from now, I might be able to look back and say, yeah, PS4 absolutely is better. Or even at the end of its generation here, console generation, you know, next year, when we have that final stamp of a stamp of game approval, whatever it is, Horizon 2, if it makes it the PS4 library or not. Yeah. We don't know. It's Yeah, it's tough to say. Well, because Gorilla just got done focusing on... Um the walking simulator. So, cause that was done by Gorilla. The walking simulator? Um, I forgot this earlier in the episode. What's the one that you wanted for Black Friday? Death Stranding. Yes. That was them? Yeah. It was Gorilla. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Interesting. They Horizon. They have a pretty good, I mean, two for two. Hmm. Granted, like 50% of the people hated Death Stranding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ryan, if that's enough about memories, why don't we talk about our favorite games for the N64? Okay. So... It's tough for me because, again, I I love so many games on the system. What I did is I gave myself literally like two minutes to rattle off my top five games. Okay. And so, again, this could change at the flip of a coin. Tomorrow, my list could be completely different. But when I really thought about my list, I took a number of things into account. One is when I look back, where are my best memories tied? Whether it's playing the games with my friends, my dad, my sister, whoever it may have been, my best nostalgic memories that I can still to this day look back on and look at these games fondly upon. Yeah. The next criteria is, can I pick this game up today and still have a, a great time playing it? Mm-hmm. And I can say definitively, having played all five games, all five of these games this year, yes, I can check both of those boxes. And so... If you don't mind, did, yeah. you, did you rank your games in any significant way, or did you kind of just have a list? Well, the notes that you specifically gave me, the outline says non-ranked. Yeah, and, and, and it, it's a fair no, point. No, I just, I just listed them off. Okay, so I'm going to go right down the list here, and then afterwards you can share yours, and we can get into honorable mentions as well. Number five for me is Mario Party 2. Again, okay. I play that endlessly with my sister and my cousins. Just an amazing party game that even to this day I think is a lot of fun to go back to. Yeah. Number four, Banjo-Kazooie. I don't need to even say anything more than I have about this game. Just a terrific 3D platformer, an amazing soundtrack, and just very inventive worlds. Number three is Donkey Kong 64, the 3D platformer to end all 3D platformers. Just an unbelievable number of things to collect, and just having five playable characters in the game really took what was so great about Donkey Kong Country on the SNES era and just revamped it 100%. Number two, Diddy Kong Racing. An amazing kart racer, I will go to the grave by saying that it is the superior kart racer to Mario Kart 64. And number one, people. I mean, it should be no surprise. I talk about it. I find a way to, you know, bring this game into almost every episode of Otaka Brothers, and that's Perfect Dark. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So, just an amazing first-person shooter. Love the soundtrack. I'm still making my way through the single-player campaign for the first time, but the multiplayer was some of the best memories I had with my buddies growing up. Nice. So. A solid list. Yeah. How about yourself, man? So I have uh, Mario Kart 64. I have Super Mario 64, which is probably, besides Smash, my favorite on the console. Okay. I love that classic Mario 64. Mm-hmm. 
I they did a remake on the three on the DS or the three DS. The DS was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a launch title. Uh, Pokemon Stadium. I oh, never played the. I never played the second one. I wanted to though. And then Star Wars Pod Racer, mm-hmm. which I played on the computer and on here. And then Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Excellent game. Yep. And then I also have Wipeout 64. I don't know if you ever played that one. It's a racing game. Oh, yeah. You're on like these futuristic like uh, little bikes. Yeah. So I was actually, we were back at the parents' house, I think, yesterday or the day before that. Um, I actually have the original box for do Wipeout you? 64. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. I don't have the game. I have the box, though. No, you do have the game. It's do downstairs. I? I've seen it. Oh, okay. I'm glad you know my husband. You know that hutch where your mom's records are sitting? Yeah. So oh, when we were looking for the game. There's a whole bunch of crap in there, and I found it. Oh, nice. Well, I, have the I also orig- took it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have the original box for that, which is kind of cool. Nice. Yeah, I actually, funny enough, do not have many of my original N64 boxes. In fact, I think the only one I have is Perfect Dark on the oh. N64. What I do have, thanks to my uncle... It was about two, three years ago. But the actually the video is on YouTube. It's um, under one of my garage sale chronicles videos. Mm-hmm. Except it wasn't really a garage sale. It was my uncle called me up and said, "Hey, Rusty, I found all of our N sixty four stuff. We're either gonna give it away at our garage sale, sell it for pennies, or it's yours." And I said, "I'll be over there in like five minutes." <laughs> so so I sprinted three miles. <laughs> let me see if I can remember the, all the boxes. It's not a ton, but what I love about this collection of box games is that it's really encompasses some of my favorites yeah so it's donkey kong 64 yoshi 64 or yoshi story super mario 64 um diddy kong racing golden eye shadows of the empire toy story 2 if i haven't said ocarina of the time yet it's no. ocarina of time and maybe one other one it's really only like eight to nine games okay. because i don't want like this gargantuan 400 library of boxes for the n64 i really want it to be like the 10 to 12 favorites you don't want like pete doors giant no I don't, I don't need that i just okay. you know i'd like to have a really respectable collection when lauren and i do find a house that we eventually move into yeah. i'd like to have a little corner dedicated to just my childhood and some of you my favorite games. You don't need like a full porn dungeon. No, I like don't need before. that. No, it's just too much. And when Lauren and I get a house and we have kids, like I'm going to sell off a lot of my crap. Like I, I just don't need that. Yeah. Um, but I, a couple other boxes I'd like to get. Um, Banjo-Kazooie definitely being one. Depending on how much I love Banjo-Tooie, the second game, I'd like to get the box for that. How much for those that. go for? See, since I have the carts already, it won't be as expensive. Um I would say I've seen the Banjo Kazooie box online with all the inserts for like twenty bucks, twenty five. Oh, that's nothing. Not too much. Yeah, I was and expecting so, like a hundred bucks. No, it, I mean it depends on the box you're going for. Yeah. But some of my favorites, I think I can get for a reasonable price. Okay, that's good. So, those are my favorite games. It sounds like those are you rattle off. Yeah, all of yours? My, yeah, my. Life. Okay, good stuff. Some of my other honorable mentions, and then we'll kind of get into. I actually do have some Rusty's recommends. Okay. Maybe I'll save those for the Rusty's Retro Recommendation segment that will never happen again, though. <laughs> yeah. I think, Sounds good. I think I will save Because the Steelers it. are playing soon. That's right. They're playing the Browns, and we need to win, people. Yeah, because you guys tied us last time, right? Or did... No, you guys... Dis- the Browns destroyed us. And Mason Rudolph almost got his head taken off with a helmet. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Is it normal that we play you guys twice? Yeah, it's the AFC North. You always play... You always play the, the teams in your division twice. Okay. So we play the Ravens, we play the Browns, and the Bengals twice. Okay. 
I guess it was last year that I was thinking of that we tied you guys when we were at the parents' house, and you're pissed. Oh, that was a really rainy, crappy game. That might yeah. have been a tie. I think I can't remember. It was yeah, last season. That was pre helmet beating. Yeah. So some of my honorable mentions here, I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff because, again, the N64 has a wide library of games that I love. But Goldeneye, of course, I have to mention that. Jet Force Gemini, an amazing game that my memories are so clouded of it because it's been so long since I've played it, but I do want to go back to it. Yoshi's Story, Rayman 2 The Great Escape, Star Wars Episode 1 Racing, as Ryan mentioned, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, NFL Blitz, Shadows of the Empire, and... Super Mario 64. Mm-hmm. In Ocarina of Time, it goes without saying. But, um, of course, there's so many like heavy hitters. Like If you look up the top 25 N64 games, you're not going to see some of those in my list because this is a very personal list of games. I'm not saying that the five I mentioned are the best games. They're yeah. Rusty's favorites. So, take that all with a grain of salt. One of the other things Ryan and I did want to talk about were just some of the games that we never played. Yes. That we would did want to... And thankfully, um, we live close to one another. I have a lot of N64 games that I presume to be on your want-to-play list. Potentially. But we'll see what happens here. Why don't you uh, share some of those, Ryan? So my first one is Ocarina of Time. I did end up beating it on the 3DS, Mm -hmm. but it would have been nice to play it back in the day to have that nostalgia. Oh, just to see the original? Yeah, like to play the entire story opposed to just that time with a kid we babysat Mm -hmm. riding around on a pona. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie, I would have loved to play that in its heyday along with Donkey Kong 64 because you've talked so much about it over like all the episodes. Uh, Pokemon Stadium 2, those were always fun. Toy Story 2, mm-hmm. that game was awesome. Um, you could battle Zerg. Yep. And you could, it just, it was a platformer. It was beautiful. We played on the computer, but I would have loved to play it on the N64. I don't it's know a- which one ran better. Probably the computer version. Probably. But... Yeah, that was a great game. Good stuff. Um, Doom 64 would have been fun, playing the originals. Mm-hmm. Um, Castlevania's on there. This one looked a lot different than what we're, I've played Castlevania-wise, because I've only played Castlevania side-scrollers. But. Castlevania's a fun one. Um, Legacy, Legacy of Darkness, there's some really wacky subtitles to the games, but the original Castlevania on the N64... I liked it. It was like a kind of open-world 3D action-adventure game. Yeah. That I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. I think a lot of people tend to hate on it, mm-hmm. but it's a pretty decent game. Yeah, it looked like a lot of fun. Uh, Bugs Life, that's a thing. That's notoriously known as one of the worst games. However, Rusty rented it on the N64 back in the day at Hollywood Video, and I loved it. Really? Now, I still have it. I have it on the N64 now. I recently okay. got it on eBay, I don't know, months and months and months ago, because it's like $3 on eBay. It's yeah. stupidly cheap. We'll have to maybe have a night where we just chill and play a bunch of N64 games. Yeah. And then maybe the following episode, we kind of talk about our impressions. And Bugs Life, we'll have to do that for. Yeah, it looked interesting, at least. I loved Bugs Life. Like, their bird. That's one of my favorite uh, Pixar yeah, movies. Yeah, great. Um, let's see. 007. I wish I would have played that more as a kid, gone through the story. Because I don't think I've ever gone through the story. Mm-hmm. Like, single player. Um, Diddy Kong Racing, I wish I didn't play it now because it doesn't hold up to the other racing games I've played. Well, let's... Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well I'm comparing it to like Burnout, uh, or no, what is it? No. Yeah, Burnout 3 Takedown. Yes, the one where you could like explode cars. And yeah. Like, oh, so much fun. Um, 
And you got like points for like running people off the road and having their cars explode. That game was amazing. The, oh, I love that game. I played so many hours in that one. Um, Harvest Moon 64. Oh my gosh. Talk about like a super chill pre-Animal Crossing game where there was no real agenda. You just harvest your crops. The music is super, super chill. <laughs> yeah, they weren't pushing Democrats or Republicans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there weren't laws or regulations around your crop, you know, whatever. Yeah, the yield. Um, let's see. Hot Wheels Turbo Racing. What the heck? I've never heard of that one. Lego Racers. That's a really fun game. You could also customize your cars in like a Lego shop. Yeah. And so screw gummy ship making. Lego uh, Racer. Oh my gosh. Really, really good times. Yeah, I'm sure that would be a ton of fun. And I know I always go back to music, but Lego Racer had some really fun levels with some great music. Because well, one of my favorite racing games of all time is... Uh, Lego Racing Stunt Rally on the computer. Oh, um, you got to build your own map, and there was, it was just basically a grid based, and then you got to race on these courses along with like a story mode. I'm pretty sure I have Lego Racer as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. That and Croc Two. Do you ever play the Croc games? I have it on PS One. Nice. Mm -hmm. I loved that game. I I think I beat the final boss, but I was going for all the uh, like the gems. Legend of the Gobos was the subtitle for the first game. Was it? Yeah. I don't know what the second one is because I never played the first. I played the second one. But then my computer crashed. Mm -hmm. So that sucks. Um, Paper Mario. I wish I would have played back in oh, the day. Oh, gosh. You're, you're naming ones that I forgot about that I need to play. And then Perfect Dark. Hell yes. Quake 64 and Quake 2. Mm, I remember okay. hearing the Quake games were really Interesting good. Interesting first-person shooters, yeah. Yeah. And then Tony Hawk Pro Skater, the original. That's a solid list if I ever heard one. Yeah. I well, went through all... N64 games. Yes, yeah, I was doing more off the cuff. I was looking at some lists of like lesser known N64 games, but um, honestly, I was just going through my library of games that I've picked up over the years for the N64 uh, when they were cheap and I found them on eBay. Mm -hmm. um, most of this list is like 3D platformers, as you would come to expect with Rusty's. I'm really surprised. Lists. There. So, Jet Force Gemini, the single player, I do not remember anything about this game. But I would like to go through that again at some point. I also have the Nintendo's player guide for that. Okay. So I can consult that if I run into issues. Mystical Ninja Ninja starring Goemon. It's a two and a half... I think this is, might be a 3D platformer, actually. It's a platformer nonetheless. Some crazy awesome music. But it's a little pricier. Okay. I haven't gotten this one yet because it can range from anywhere from like 40 to 65 bucks. Wow. And so okay. I... I'd like to get this for like thirty if I can find it somewhere. His original Smash is going for like sixty. Oh, it's sixty plus. Stupid, yeah. Mischief Makers. This is a game we talked about earlier. A platformer by Treasure, published by Enix. Something I'd like to get back to at some point, or just play in general because I do have the the cart for that. Rocket Robot on Wheels looks like another really fun three uh, D platformer that I have yet to play. Tonic Trouble. I don't have this one. Another three D platformer. Is it a drinking game. No, <laughs> it kind of sounds like that, but it, it just looks like a really wacky 3D platformer. Oh, okay. Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Thankfully, I have this game. It goes for upwards of $90 for just the cart. Wow. And it, of course, was developed by Rare, Grant Kirkhope. I don't think he actually composed the soundtrack to this one. We'll give him credit anyway. We will. He composed it. Yep. <laughs> so I want to play that at some point. Gex 64. I remember renting and playing this game a little bit back in the day, I think on the PS1, but I never played the N64 uh, port, or version, I should say. Would like to play that. I just loved the era of 3D platformers. You, you named Croc, 
there was Gex, there were this these slew of other games that never had any, you know, sequels or anything, but man, I miss that era. Yeah. But to your point, I also would like to go back and play Pokemon Stadium 2. Pokemon Snap, it's been so many years since I've gone back and Is played the that. picture one? Yeah, I've never beaten it, like, personally. I've seen others play it. And then Harvest Moon's a really good one. That's another really expensive cart, though. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And then uh, Paper Mario 64 is a really good one. Yeah. You know, it'd be so nice, though. Like, one, we either get an N64 Mini with some of these games that are a little bit pricier, or, even better, the Switch Online Marketplace has an actual N64 catalog that we can dip into. Yeah. I, I haven't been on there in a while to see what the online games are. I'm sure they've added more NES and Super Nintendo titles, but the N64... I mean... The Wii Shop Channel had so many different consoles that you could have purchased from. The Turbo Graphics, the Sega Genesis, NES, Super Nintendo, N64. And there's just none of that. Yeah. It's a real shame. That's one of my biggest complaints with the Switch. But there's still plenty of time. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But Ryan, that's all the games I have about wish I had played, hope to play in the future. Nice. If you're good with it, I think we can call this episode a wrap. Yeah, I'm good. Well, thank you for everyone that listened to this N64 retrospective. I hope you learned something new when we talked about interesting facts and leading up to the launch. And hopefully, maybe you found some recommended games based on Ryan and I's favorite games, games that we hope to play in the future, and all of that fun stuff. Please drop into the Discord. The link is in the show notes. All you have to do is click that link either on your phone or your internet browser. You're automatically added to the server at no cost to you. We have a lot of fun discussion going in on there. Get in on get in on the discussion. Share your favorite N64 titles. If you have any anecdotes that you'd like to share, you can either write in on the Discord or even write into the Gmail Otaku Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. The links to all of that and so much more is in the show notes. And a new thing I'm doing, Ryan, that okay. um, deserves another mention is creating timestamps. Yes, awesome. In the episode descriptions. It takes me quite a bit longer because I have to listen to the episode in its entirety at least twice to kind of get everything, the timestamps correct, and then in post where I add the intro and everything like that. Um, it's just, it's, it's, uh, well, thank you. It's a significant, it's a significant effort, but I think it, uh, the listeners appreciate it because they can kind of jump around and listen to what they want to listen to. Yeah. So awesome. Thank you so much for listening to episode 64. Ryan and I will be back next week, potentially talking about our top 10 games of the last decade. I know we have a number of... I put that caveat in there. Um, We have a number of emails from folks, listeners of the show, so we very much appreciate that. So stay tuned for that. But I need to go and watch the Steelers, hopefully with Devlin Duck Hodges playing at quarterback beat the Cleveland Browns. Ryan, do you have any parting words for the listeners yeah, this week? hopefully the Steelers lose because I'm going to go watch that game as well. You're going to go watch it at the parents' house? Yeah, it's cooked chicken, like 15 pounds. So Good Might stuff. as well cut up and watch some Browns kick some ass. All right, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Find out next week on Otaka Brothers. See ya. Later. Later.